You love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the State of My Sports. That's right, this is State of My Sports, and this is episode 125. We have another 2-in-1 weekend for our football teams. The Lions lost once again, and Michigan and Michigan State both continue to roll uh, with nice wins over their opponents. Uh, with the Tigers' season officially over, we're going to put a nice little bow on the season, uh, talk about the positives and negatives, and kind of how our predictions and, and conversation went in our, our season preview and, and what, it, what it kind of turned out to. Um, I think a lot to talk about, a lot of good to talk about, and a lot of uh, questions to answer as well. Um, should be should be a fun conversation, some players to bring up, and prospects as well, obviously, are, are always fun to talk about. Uh, during our Betting Heroes segment, we are going to make our picks once again. We'll grade our Michigan beers from Siciliano's Market, which what do we got tonight? So we're, we got Austin Brothers. It is another one of the variety packs. Thank you guys for, for sending this to us and giving us a chance to, to rate another one of your variety packs. They're I think like that was, the variety pack kings, man. Yeah, they do a great job. And I hold didn't, it re- yeah, hold, hold it up and show it. So people probably can't see the, the on the video, but these are all pretty heavy beers. So if you want alcohol in your beer... Check out this ostentatious. Yeah, there's our. Aust- how, do, how would you say ostentatious? Ostentatious variety pack. Oh yeah, I mean, gosh. this is like a whole bunch of 10 and 11 percenters. Yeah. Five and different styles. So three far, cans of each. A lot of taste. 15 pack. Check it out. It's going to be at Sicily Island's Market if it's not already. So please check out all that good stuff. I mean, we're going to have a good time grading these. Usually, this is a type of uh, variety pack shows that have, you know, four or five of us on here, and it's just me and you. So. We're gonna, we're gonna have to get through these ones, and we're gonna be feeling pretty, pretty dang good by the end of this episode, I think, with these percentages. Um, I'm Sam Waltart. With me today, we got Ryan Waltart. We're doing it today solo. Hello. Um, who knows what's going on? But yeah, everybody's still on the podcast. It's just been a, a rough couple weeks for a lot of people, but we're gonna be back full, full bore here next week at the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe, which we're all excited about. And Carrie already commented. Good thing no one is driving. Yeah, that's that's a very good thing. Uh, everybody else would have had a problem driving just, home just from this walk one. Just walk in. Walk safely. Walk safely, Ryan. <laughs> Beat you to it. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. I'm uh, trying to find us on Facebook Live. How do I get there? I, I don't know. I couldn't find it myself, so I just kind of said, well, Live. we're on. It says we're on. But, I usually um, get notifications. Oh, here we go. All right, I'm good. I'm on. He's, I'm on he's, he's new to the Facebook, everybody. Uh, before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery of in my sports. Siciliano's Market helps us pick out our craft beer, Michigan craft beer, from be- for each and every episode. Uh, <clears throat> Mac Web Design helps us get our website up and running. And bettinghero.com helps us and you get the best promos available in the sports betting world. Gotta love that. I had a good weekend in, in my sports betting. Did you? I did. Well, I started off really bad, and then I won a couple bets. So, like, 
you use promo code in my bets? I, I did. I did. Nice. Good yeah, for you. it was good. I signed up for another one, so that was good. Cool. Um, so I, <laughs> I lost my first couple, but then I saw that Cleveland was down early, and then who else? Somebody else. Uh, somebody else was that two teams were down early. Oh yeah, and I was like, you just jumped on. I that. jumped on both of them, parlayed both to win outright, got that one, and then the Packers were down early, seven nothing. So I jumped on the alternate alternate spread, and I oh. took Packers minus nine and a half. Whoo! That good was a you. that was a good payout, and that was fun, even though the Packers won. That that kind of sucked, but. <laughs> Right, you turned ne- a bad had, into a good though. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, you had a bachelor party this weekend. How, how was that? Yeah, I mean it was awesome. Yeah, there's a we went up to a cabin. Bunch of us. I think there was probably like I don't know, like eight of us. I think on Saturday, uh, five of us on Friday night. Okay. Um, so it was the whole weekend. It was it was a great time just to hang out. You know, get out outside a little bit. There's a there's a river there that was uh, pretty shallow, but people were still catching some fish. Yeah. Um, Did you go fishing? Played some games. No, I didn't this time. No, no, no I I. Felt like uh, I would have to walk too far to do it, and I just didn't really, <laughs> yeah, didn't really feel like that were, was my were weekend. You, were you that guy that was like, "Look, I'm married, and for ten years I have three kids at home. Yeah, we can sit around and have fun and party, yeah. but, or I could just sit here and put my feet up or and I watch football that. for the first time. Exactly. Like, there's no I watched, questions. Yeah, asked. I watched like two full football games. It was amazing. <laughs> um, no, it was, a, it was a great time celebrating one of my good friends, and um, actually one of your one of your coworkers actually uh, through the whole thing and. Seriously, shout out to Nate because he was incredible. He just he did everything like he was even cleaning up after all the guys. So yeah, made we didn't have to make any food at all. He had it all planned and prepped, and it was he made it so easy. It was great. Yeah, Nate's a good guy. And what, what's the band called again? That that they're in together, Kevin and uh, Kara. Nate. What are you talking about? The the band that they're oh in the together. band uh, yeah. Paradise Out Paradise Out. They actually used to be our intro song. Yeah, they did for a while there until we got our our. Intro built for yeah, us good and all stuff, that man. Good they've, stuff. they've got a show at Skeletons next weekend. Do they? I didn't even know. Ske- I haven't heard Skeletons in they're, ever. They're back Holy open. Smokes. I didn't. Were they closed? Yeah, they were closed for a number of years. Holy smokes! Yeah, that's a throwback. I know. I forget. Did I see Squad Five O there? Would that would that make sense? Oh yeah, I mean you probably saw all kinds Maybe of Maybe MXPX yeah. or something. I uh, probably. I, I don't know. I was pretty young. I don't know if I ever was. Able I to go. I hung around the outside of it. I I act like it's such a big deal. I just know <laughs> the stories. I didn't go very many times, but I know the stories. It's time to grade our Michigan beers oh, for this episode. We're not grading yet. We are not grading our Michigan beers yet. Um, we will actually be doing our beer intro. So let <laughs> us know what you guys are drinking too. <laughs> it is time to introduce our Michigan beers for this episode. But before we do, I want to remind everyone of our partner, Sisley Annals Market. They are simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether they know what you want or need some help from their expert staff, Sisley Annals Market is the best place for that. They not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they are individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. They obviously have a great selection of craft beer. They also have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. Sisley Annals Market also has the the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the State of My Sports family, and it is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode. So please check them out and let them know that we sent you. All right, so as we mentioned during the introduction, we are drinking um, from Austin Brothers Beer Company, the Ostentatious Pack. This thing is a beaut. 15 cans, three Man, I'm, like, flavor. I'm trying to center this on the camera. It's, it's tough. It's not easy. It's hard to do it when you're like facing it because it's like everything's backwards. Yeah, <laughs> I have a really I hard time I can't with do that. It. Yeah, ostentatious. All right, so maybe just read read to some of these and then we'll 
explain what we're doing. Yeah, sure. So um, first one I'll bring up is called Slamnesia Triple IPA. This is 11.4 alcohol, uh, a lightly filtered West Coast Triple IPA with tons of mosaic hops. Slamnesia is dangerously drinkable for a beer of its size. Oh, boy. That's I have a feeling that's going to be a theme for (laughs) tonight. There's a a couple of stouts in here, too. You want to just keep on going here? Yeah, yeah. That, was, okay, so yeah. that was Slamnesia Triple IPA, and also that can, the Slamnesia can is is awesome. Like it's an old school wrestling. Uh, it's got dude's got you know no shirt on, mask. He's absolutely jacked, and and it looks like a one of those. I don't know what you even call it, like Hulk Hogan type things. Um, throwback for sure. Uh, next one, Peru, Peruvian Sumo Imperial Stout. So the dude is a sumo wrestler, and he looks like he's about to tackle an, an alpaca. Um, so cool, cool can. Eleven point four. I'm really glad you said that one, not me. <laughs> I was not going to be able to say that word. No, okay. Eleven point four percent again. This is two eleven point fours in a row. Uh, we take our beloved sumo based beer and then finish it with vanilla bean, cocoa nibs, and Peruvian coffee. Ooh, this one sounds good. It does sound good. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Next one, Imperial. Ooh, what is this? Imperial, oh, I guess they're just Imperial Porter. It's Imperial Raspberry Vanilla Porter, 11%, so it's actually gone down. It's an 11%. An Imperial Porter with raspberry and vanilla bean, the RVP you know and love, only bigger. And then we got our Big Merc, the Triple New England Style IPA, Triple. This is a 10%. It is the lowest alcohol percentage of the group, 10%. Uh, this New England Triple IPA is insane with amounts of citra and Cairo citra hops. Okay. And last but not least. Yeah, the one that we're actually that we started early so we could get a quick grade in right yeah. away. Last one is their triple triple berry sorbet. Uh this is an imperial version of a, their fan favorite triple berry sorbet. A kettle sour with blackberry, blueberry, and raspberry. I mean, look at that can. The people watching that can it just is looks delicious. Unbelievable. And I would say it's so good. Like it, it's definitely got more of a sour bite to it um, than a lot of the sours that we're, we'd usually have. A really good sour um, finish, yeah. But this one is outstanding. So real quick, uh, I mean, you kind of already explained it, but basically Austin Brothers Beer Company is in Alpena, Michigan, which is where, I mean, that's is that in the UP? Or that's about as close to the UP as you can get, right? Alpena? Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, northeast, like way up there. And it's, it's still south oh, of like Sheboygan, which is right basically as far north in the up uh, or the yeah yeah so it's actually is that backwards on the screen no it's Alpine, actually right or peninsula yeah so it's on there they even have a little star where where the yeah let me do this very it's, smart it's backwards on my hand <laughs> as well right there is it no i think it's the other side isn't it isn't it more above the, the thumb the, isn't it more above the thumb what's well, the thumb yeah no it's you i mean it's above it the thumb your pinky oh i did yeah uh, whatever they can't <laughs> even see Again, great radio. <laughs> this is so good. So hey, good. Guys, l- listen, listen to me point to my finger. <laughs> oh, so real quick, we do have some some uh, people that are drinking tonight. Uh, Bob Karen said they bought their beer at Siciliano's Market. Great shout out. Thank you guys for that. Uh, Grandma's Sour House from Arvon. Oh, another one. They're actually already grading here. Um, and they're now drink. They gave it a 7.9, so they moved on to uh, Touching Tires. From Watermark. We've had some good Watermark. I don't think we've had touching tire, yeah, tires, awesome. though. Um, they said, who made a great touchdown Saturday morning? Max. So my nephew Max had a great touchdown uh, in his flag football game. Shout out to Max. Um, Carrie Smith, she is uh, drinking the Bud Light Seltzer Fall flavors. All right. Bud Light Seltzer makes a good seltzer. They do That's a good job. That's pretty good, yeah. 
Um, I'm curious about the fall flavors. What flavors are there, Carrie? Um, then she said, save a triple berry. Ah, we'll see. <laughs> Good luck. And then Micah, my, someone named Micah Smith. Never, I've never hey, heard that? of I, never, I don't know who that is. He's drinking something called Bell's Two Hearted in his left hand and then <laughs> Bell's Two Hearted in the right. Uh-huh. Um, I thought he was at class tonight. Is this another one of those? Uh, Man, it's so weird how that happens so yeah, often with him. Yeah. I'm a little confused about that, but we'll, we'll let it slide tonight. I didn't know you were allowed to do that at Mikey, class. Mikey, can you let us know if we are on the Instagram live? Because it says that we are, but I can't find it, and I don't know how to find it. So someone let me know about that one. What was I going to do next? Oh, oh, we got we got to grade ours. Yeah, I don't know. Let's grade our-, our uh, Triple, triple, s- triple berry triple. sorbet. Yeah. 11%. Um, uh, yeah, 11%. I, I think you kind of nailed it. You know, this is a really good finish, uh, sour finish to it, and um, you know, as expected, being a sour. But we're we're used to more of the flavor, um, like this maybe the sweetness to it or the fullness to to the sour, and this has a, a nice finish to it. So I like the the mix up here. I'm going to go with an eight point two. Ooh, that's a good score. Yeah, I already had ri- I already had written down an eight point one. So nice. I like that. Right we're, there, we're right down the middle. Yeah. Craft beer in Michigan sports. We may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. We're going to try to zoom through our, our uh, football talk. I think we have three good games, or three games at least bring up and talk about, but we're going to try to go a little quicker, not as in depth. But uh, we're going to start with the Lions, another scoreless first half. Uh, in the 24-14 loss to the rookie quarterback Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, Goff was sacked four times, three fumbles, two of them were lost, and 17 missed open wide receivers. No, I made that part up. Uh, he went 24 <laughs> and 38 for 20, 299 yards. Uh, he really did spread the ball around to his wide receivers. Cephas, 83 yards on four catches. St. Brown, 70 on six. That was a nice surprise to see uh, St. Brown get involved a little more. Khalif Raymond, 46 yards on three touch, three catches. Two of them were touchdowns. I thought Jamal Williams looked so good. His numbers didn't kind of stand out the way I hoped, in a, but he, he ended up with um, 66 yards on 14 carries, 4.7 average. I think that was his game, and I think they went away from him a little too early. Swift had 16 yards on eight carries, but an additional 33 yards on four catches. I didn't think the defense looked terrible. No, they... But, uh, well, but nothing really stood out to me either. It was just kind of like, I, I thought... They were still bad, but the quarterback and, and the Bears offense was just as bad. So they didn't really expose us the way we needed to. And I, I really think the story of this is going to be the first thing that I really wanted to bring up, um, questionable play calling and, and just shooting themselves in the foot. I want to start with, with really the, the first first four, first three drives. Yeah, yeah, we're that's kind of where abs- we lost the game. Yeah, so first three, drive one, 11 plays, 29 rushing yards, 28 passing yards. 6.06 off the clock. Now, this is when the Bears already scored. Already scored. First, first. yeah, they had, a I think, six or seven-minute drive themselves. It was like 11 plays, yeah, six-minute drive, scored a touchdown. Lions ended up getting to first and goal from the eight early snap um, from Ragnow as Goff was kind of walking up to change the play. Who knows whose fault that is. I, I'm not going to point any fingers. I mean, it looks like it's on the center, but... You I never think know. Ragnall's better than Goff, so I'm going to put it on that's Goff. That's kind of where I was at, too. Um, snap fumble. And if you guys watch it, it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. 
Um, just like snapped into his shoulder, bounces right into the defensive lineman. Uh, For some reason, I know crazy. it wasn't his fault. I don't think he should have caught her or anything, but it just looked like the most golf thing to do. It did. Just like run right into it. It's this like is a, the new Mark Sanchez. I was going to say Eli Manning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like kind of gumpy, you know, slower, but some, that's a, that's somehow can throw it. That's a good uh, Drive two, 11 plays, 16 rushing yards, 44 passing, 5-10 off the clock. So uh, obviously drive one, came up empty with a turnover. 5-10 off the clock, fourth and goal from the five. No, down, they're down. 10 to nothing. Yeah, there you um, go. Early in the second quarter. What do you think about not kicking the field goal there? Was it 10 or 14? It was 10 to 0. I thought maybe you could double check me on that. I'll double check you. Um I I thought it was a very questionable call. It might have been 14-0 now you say that. But I mean we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure that out here very very quickly. Um but fourth yeah. and five. Chicago's up 14-0. 14-0. At this point. Thanks for correcting me on that. But it was fourth and five. Yeah. That's the the key to me is it wasn't just a – the playbook isn't open at a fourth and five. If you're one and a half, fourth and goal, then I'm okay with, with being more aggressive. I'm I'm not trying to use hindsight here because it was just it, – it felt like the wrong time to be aggressive. It's not – it didn't feel like a football decision. It like felt the, like the, – The right football decision was to just get the points, take the points. You know, uh, maybe later in the game this pays off to be within three points or, you know, within a score – so it, it just didn't feel like – it felt like you were giving up on the game pretty early to start panicking at fourth and five. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll agree with you. Now, a lot of people were pumped about the decision at the time. When, I, when the offense went back out there, there I, I know of people that were feeling good about that decision because I kind of was too on the inside a little bit. You know, Chicago's went down. They're up 14 nothing. They just had this bad mistake. You kind of wanted to erase some of that and, and get yourself feeling good about yourself. And I get it, fourth and five. Not Again, not the right football decision, but I, I mean, they didn't make it. So so the correct it's, call was to not go for it. Yeah. I mean, if, if they got it, then it's, wow, aggressive call paid off, but it still didn't seem like the right call. And I think that's going to be the – the another topic here that we're going to get into here as we get later into the game. Um, but again, they didn't take the points. They missed on fourth um, and five. People are saying that it was just a good defensive play. I thought it looked like a really bad throw that the defender made a good play on, but I don't, I thought it was behind Swift, even if it got to him. And it was a low percentage play call, I thought, for that type of moment as well. No creativity. It was again the the golf's golf status here is zero in on who his one option is and he's gonna throw it to him. Yeah, good one by Bob Karen here that he golfed it up. That's that's that's, sure that's, did. that's a good one. No, I, you're right. I, like I mean, it was it was uh, gonna be over the middle to Swift the whole way, and and it didn't have to look around. Um, Are we on this one next. Um, the big Merc. Yeah, no, is that open? Is that the one? Yeah, we yeah we split that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Merc. Yeah. Sorry, I I just wanted to make sure so I could take a sip. <laughs> yeah, so I think. I again, if he had any kind of creativity, uh, creative ability, you just think he spreads the field and looks around a little bit, or looks somebody off and then go that way. He had a lot of pressure in his face, so I get it. He tried to do this like jump throw type thing. You could see his arm was was higher than normal. So was it a good play? It was. It was a it was a good play. But you're right. It could have been more over the middle. It could have thrown him open a little bit more, get away from that that defender, defender in the middle. So. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, again, they they missed it, you know, yeah. so they, it didn't pay off, and they went, they were now turning the ball over at the five yard line. Yeah, so I mean, first two drives, solid drives, no points. Drive three, 
10 plays, 37 yards, 4.51 off the clock, third and goal from the three, and Goff got stripped. And yep. another turnover inside the, the five. It's, it, I mean, you can't make up that start. I'm trying to remember the play where he got stripped on this it, one. The, he got, I think Sewell got beat. He did, didn't he? Pretty quick. On the yeah. inside again. Yep. Yeah. That scene, if Sewell they, gets beat, he gets beat on the inside. Yep. It was. It felt like it was a snap and touched. You know what I mean? Like it, he had zero time and golf lack of athleticism isn't going to help he help him. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Uh, was he rolling to the right a little bit? Or he's just started to. Man, I, I'm having a hard time picturing this play in my mind. No, I, I don't think he was rolling at all. I don't even think he had time to roll. Okay. If I, he might have kind of turned his body. I, I don't know. I I'm, think the problem is he fumbled three times, and I'm trying to remember which one this was. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. But here we go. Three good drives for the most part, zero points. And that is a dagger to any team, let alone the Detroit Lions who can't do anything else right. Um I want to focus kind of later on. So 24-14, fourth and one from the eight, 419 remaining. You're down 10. Fourth down, kick the field goal, and make it a one-possession game, right? What What's going on? Why in the – like, I know that you're not going to get a better chance on a fourth down. He might You might not get down there to get a chance for a touchdown again. Every single f- football coach in this whole wide world would say, make this a one score and try to get a stop and put the pressure on the other team. Yeah. You still had three timeouts, I think. Maybe it was two. It might have been two timeouts. But not only did they go for it on fourth and one when you had an th- easy three points to make it a one-possession game with over four minutes left. I mean... <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. You, you need and two of them. They did a, you they need did two a of hurry them. up offense, too. Yeah, they did. They just quickly rushed it. Now, look... It was a well-designed play. I thought St. Brown was open. St. Brown was wide open. Quintez Cephas was wide open. Go, yep. our, go to our Instagram. You'll see the, the picture. Yep. He was wide open. Yep. Again, Goff missed wide open Cephas, but he also missed the throw. That out route's not the easiest throw. So why, why make that your it first was a primary low, it target? It felt like a low percentage one. Yeah, your first priority. Yeah. It made no sense. And, but, and, but again, he was wide open. Cephas, yeah. nobody around, wide, wide open over the middle. The easiest little dunk pass down over the middle. It's like a his perfect check down type of play. Yeah, it, and there's, so we had a comment here that they didn't trust the defense, and, and I agree with that, but you have to at some point. Well, and to make it a one-possession game, it didn't matter. whether you trust your defense or not, you need to do that. It's they needed the, right they needed the onside kick either way, too. Well, they wouldn't have needed an onside kick. Because well, there was still four four plus minutes left. Yeah. You have the two you have the two minute warning. Yeah, and I okay. think I think it was two timeouts left. I could be wrong with that. It might have actually been three. I thought they were down in the two minute range. So no, it was f- I, I did double check that it was four nineteen left on the clock. Okay, so four nineteen. Yeah, that, you're that, right. They, the, they don't even need the two the, point. Yeah, yeah. I take, mean, take the points. Take, you got to do it. You, you know what the real the real issue I have with this is now this the game was twenty four to fourteen at the time. That's the whole point early on in the game, drive number two, when you did not take the field goal. Yeah. What what was this game? You're giving up one and they have 14 points, but fast forward to the fourth quarter and they have 24. They only scored 10 more for the rest of the game yeah. up until this point. If you would have taken your points there, three points, and the game played out as is, you're looking at a one-score game, one-possession game. Now maybe you take your time on that fourth down and it is valuable to you. Or maybe you kick the field goal and then trust your defense, and now the next time when you have to score the touchdown, it's not to tie the game, but it's to win the game. Yeah, and There's all kinds of opportunities. This is why you take the points when it's available to you, especially in a fourth-and-five situation. 
Yeah, and so I, I don't have the running back's name. Is it Montgomery? No, it's not Montgomery anymore. Yeah, Montgomery. Is it Montgomery? Yeah, yeah. David Montgomery. So he was out of the game. Yep, he got He hurt. was the only thing that really tore this team apart, I thought. He was the reason why the defense looked bad early on. There were some big plays in there mixed in, but you're right. He was the heartbeat of the offense. Chicago was one of eight on third down. They only had 185 passing yards. I mean, it wasn't like they were absolutely picking you apart in that second half. That's why it's like, yeah, do you trust your defense? No, there's no reason why you should trust your defense. But at that time, make it a one-possession game. Yeah. Anything can happen. Anything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So so fast forward to what actually happened, 24-14. to 14. It doesn't make any logical sense. You need the ball back anyways. It's going to be an end-of-game situation. So at that moment, why would you even risk it? You take the points. You you let the game play out as is. And who knows? Maybe you get a pick six. Maybe there's a fumble, the freak accident yeah. by the other team. We, like, already, we saw one in the drive before when, when the Lions almost got the ball from Yes, them. exactly. You're and right. Then, and then it was like, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but then the the we're about to get the ball back. So this is the first well, I guess game. under two minutes, and we, we line up off sides, give them a free first down game over. So, so yeah. we would have got the ball back. If, I mean, I know everything changes once that one everything call changes. was made, but it's like put pressure on them. Put pressure on the rookie quarterback. Put pressure on an offense that doesn't have their running game, their, their, their star running back. This is the That's first time This is the first time in my eyes that we have a legitimate reason to be a little nervous. Well, second guess, yeah, the the coaching, I guess, because it because it wasn't just one instance. It wasn't just one play where you can second guess what he decided here, but it was three of them, two, two yeah, field goals, the fourth down well, that they went for I, early on. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, they you know you don't need to go for fourth downs that often. They were going for every fourth down. I yeah, mean, so they they were, were one for three on on fourth down. The lines were so and I, most of those were early. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know where else to go here. And I, I just wondered if this was the first, like, kind of like you already brought up is, is this the first taste of Campbell not knowing how to coach a football team? And I know there was a lot of concern in, in preseason. Uh, some people thought that, uh, he made the wrong decision. I think it was in the, the, not the Packers. Yeah. The Packers game that they didn't go harder into the end zone. I still think that's a poor excuse because they did have two shots at the end zone yeah. to end the first half. Um, but then the Ravens, when they were passive and kicked the field goal, when everybody was saying, be more aggressive, it's like people are starting to question this guy. This was my first big question for him was why you don't take those three points. Yeah. Um, I thought the fourth and five was questionable. I get it at the same time. But the second one. I like it at the same time. The second one on fourth and one, when you can make it a one possession game with four minutes left, that is just inexcusable. That seemed like very disappointing. That seemed like the moment got too big for him. Like the moment and the heat of the moment, they just kept going and acted like they needed something they didn't really need. Like like he lost track of the game at that point and he was not reacting to the best football scenario in his mind. He he was got emotional about the game. Mm-hmm. And because it was hurry up to get to that point and they had they were drove down the field like they had been all game, literally all game they were driving all the way down the field. They he he had a rhythm they he wanted to keep that rhythm, or he didn't consider the game, or he didn't speak up, and he he was stuck in his head. Like you don't know what was going on internally with Dan Campbell at that moment, yeah. but but it wasn't the right football call, and and it's not even second guessing. It was the wrong call. Yeah. Yep. It was the wrong call. Now I do think he's admitted to stuff like this in the past with the Dolphins when he was the interim head coach there. So I don't think he is uh, too big of a narcissist to admit when he's wrong. I think. 
to the team, I think he will public publicly admit that he missed something. He might even take the blame for the loss. And that's something that can be good for him learning in the long run too. I don't need him to make the right decisions yeah. now. I don't need him to yeah. be the perfect coach right now and, and the the perfect mind. I want more talent on the team in general. And then when it's time to start winning games, I want him to be ready too. Yeah, and I wonder if he's trying to set a tone for when he has the talent as well. And if people around the league, like let's say players like, look at this guy, he's he's making crazy moves. We always offensive players Always want to go for it. Oh yeah, and if he's if a court, a good quarterback that's mad at his team in two years, and we want to bring in a guy inside a draft, he's like that guy trusts his quarterback to make a play, whether they make it or not. He trusts them. I mean, <laughs> kind of what players want to play. It with. is kind of what players want to play. Yeah, with. and I so I, I he's starting he's trying to set a tone for this team, and I think he's just going to stick to that. Whether it is the right call or not always, I think he's going to be more of a gut guy rather than always being passive, always being aggressive. He's just going to be like, right here, right now, how do I feel we can, the right way to, to call it. Yeah. And, and, and look, that's going to cause a lot of questions. I'm also not going to put on Dan Campbell some of the things that happened, like the strip sack. Uh, I'm not yeah, going to put on I mean, Dan Campbell the, the miscommunication between Ragnow and Goff. Goff yeah. Those are two... Really good veteran players. I mean, either either veteran or really good players that just had a miscommunication, and that's a breakdown between the two of them. That is not a coaching issue. That's not anything like uh, they were unprepared. How many times did they snap it throughout the game? That's the only time all season they've done that. That yeah. is just a miscommunication, bad play by them. I don't know, something to learn from. But that, I'm not going to put that on the coaches. I know that's normally the thing you do put on the coaches, but not in my mind. It's the easy, easy target for sure. Yeah. A um, couple things that I, I should bring up real quick before we turn the page from the Lions is Romeo Quara is out for the season. That's so disappointing. Um, torn Achilles t- tendon, and then Frank Ragnow, uh, who left the game, uh, Pro Bowl center. Uh, nobody really knows where 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 yeah. he stands, but either way, uh, very concerning for both of those. Can I just yeah before we move on really quick, I. I I heard I've heard enough on local sports talk already that you know they're they're just like people are getting upset they're getting emotional and they're getting upset with the state of the lines at this point and I just want to bring more perspective to this whole idea of the Lions should be winning games where is this coming from like no, I don't know. nobody expects them to win games this if you looked at the season to, to at the very start of the season you looked at the schedule and you said all right you're going to start off with who they start off with? Sorry, uh, 49ers, 49ers, then Packers, then Ravens. Everybody guaranteed. Everybody <laughs> would say zero and three. Yeah, that's what we were all expecting. Then going into the Bears, you're like, eh, maybe winnable, but the Bears are better. They're more uh, ready the to Bears win. Too. Ready to win right now. Yep. And people can give the Bears crap because they look terrible. They're two and two right now, and their defensive line is one of the elite Shit. defensive yeah. lines in in the in pro football and their secondary is also really athletic and and pretty good this is not a terrible chicago team their offense looked bad that was it and they they picked us apart which i know you can say you know blame that on the lions but i guess what i'm going at is why why are we expecting the lions to be a playoff team this year when we all knew at the beginning of the year that they were not a playoff team everybody agreed that they were in line for a top three to top five pick 
for next year's draft, and that's what we are excited about to try to go get a quarterback or some other big talent. And now when those chips are falling exactly like they should, people are getting emotionally upset about about the whole ordeal, and I don't understand. Nope. Like, how I, are we so short-sighted as football fans that we can't understand when it's a not a bad thing to go out there, be competitive, and lose a game? I don't want them to get the 30th overall pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I agree with you. I really do. And it, I think just the fact the way that they've played and being in a couple coin flip scenarios in control of a game at one point, a lead at half, uh, the way that they came back, it's like it just it changed it. And then you start being able to pinpoint those one or two plays, and then you can talk about it. You yeah, know what I mean? Because we like, see That's it. what football is. Because we see it. Football yeah. all comes always comes down to one or two plays. We didn't think it was going to come down to one or two plays in you know three of the first four weeks. You know what I mean? Um and that's why it's just kind of a little more concerning because we can pick those plays out and those decisions out. Um, so you kind of brought it up that no reason to panic yet. So we got Vikings week five, Bengals week six, Rams seven, Eagles eight. That wraps up October. If we go winless in October, are you concerned or is it just part of it still? Say that again. So we got so Vikings this this next week. Okay. Then we're home against the Bengals. Yep. At the Rams and then home against the Eagles. Those are the next four games. If we go 0-4 there, start 0-8, does that change your, your feelings? No, Or it is doesn't. it still the same? Yeah. It's just what we expected? We had historically bad defense last year. We didn't go stock up on a bunch of skill positions on defense. We stocked up on our defensive line that has not looked bad so far, and we got some cornerbacks that all got hurt. Like our top two cornerbacks or two of our top three cornerbacks are out for the season. Yeah. Really early on. Game one. So uh, we're Or he had another interception. That's cool. He, yeah, two, he did. Two, two weeks in a row. And, and just think if, like, Jeffrey Okuda, again, he did not play badly game one uh, until, you know, he got hurt and he got, I guess, he got beat one time. And then our our draft pick, third round draft pick this year, Fichu Melifanmu, he came back and oh, was God. looking pretty good, too. That was well said. Thank you. I don't know if he, he said it right, but it sounded I did, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came in and looked pretty good, too, and then he got hurt. And he's out for the year. I Is think. he out for the year? I don't know. I don't remember hearing that, but you could be right. I Maybe know it was I a quad injury, um, but I don't think it was out, of, out for the year. I'm not even sure he got put on IR. So we're dealing with – He did. He did just get put on IR. Immediately we're dealing with our fourth or fifth string cornerbacks going out there and trying to be competitive, and we get mad at them when there's some miscommunication errors. It's like, what do we expect to happen? Yeah. We have we have third string safeties coming in trying to play with, the, with fourth string cornerbacks. Good? That's all. Yeah. All right. Red Wings to Michigan State. We're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. Before we get into our Sparty talk, we just drank Austin Brothers Big Merc. It is a triple New England style IPA. Uh, With insane amounts of Citra and Cairo Citra hops. Well done. Uh, 10% alcohol. That was Did a Cairo? very it's cryo. Cryo. Sorry. Does that mean cold? Yeah. You taught me that. Thanks. <laughs> um, that was a very easy to drink triple. Uh, I didn't yeah. realize it was a triple. I know you already told us it was a triple. Way too easy. And I, I didn't notice. That was a very easy to drink triple IPA. Um, they it has that signature Awesome Brothers taste. I think. Yeah. Um, and it was it was good. I mean, it wasn't. Mind-blowing by any means, but it was just a very solid beer. I'm going to give it a 
I'll go 7.9. I'll go one above you. Here we go. I, we I, go. Seriously, I mean, like a triple this easy to drink. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's awesome. So we do want to talk some Sparty. Uh, MSU started out strong with 21 points in the first and the second quarter to take a 42-16 to lead into halftime behind some big plays by Jaden Reed with a 61-yard punt return for touchdown. Again, two weeks in a row, a punt, a punt return for it's touchdown. Awesome, man. He also had a 46-yard touchdown catch. The second half didn't go so well, being outscored 15-6 to with only two field goals in the second half to win 48-31. to I don't know why I'm not breathing. <laughs> I'm like, he's <laughs> about to pass out or something. Talking Michigan State. Yeah, but what the Spartans team is is doing, and I think it's pretty impressive, is is they're they're taking control of every single game right away. Early, with big yeah. plays. I mean, we we know how the first two weeks went with the first touchdown on the first play, both games, and then I think they they kind of took the the uh, Nebraska game. They took control of that game to kind of let things play out. They were ahead. Until late in the second half and stuff, but I mean to make it a comeback. But it was like they were in control of that game at early on, and it dictates the way the game is being played and called. Am I breathing really hard? I feel like I'm breathing really hard. Do no. I need to just take a minute? Or Are no? you okay? I don't know. <laughs> I am okay. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Yeah, I am. I'm just like just feel like me, I'm breathing just, hard. Well, just let me know. No, you're. I don't hear anything. But. I don't know, man. This is this is messed up. <laughs> but anyways, uh, the question for this uh, segment is: Are you concerned about the at Rutgers game this this upcoming week? Uh, let us know what you guys think. Hopefully, people are are, are uh, commenting and stuff. I'm not. I'm not worried about the Rutgers game. I'm not either. I'm no. really not. I think Michigan State, the way they came out in this game, and this was a trap game, uh, or considered by a lot of people to by be Western a trap Kentucky. game with yeah. Western Kentucky, yeah. because of Western Kentucky's offense. And there's a potential high draft pick in their quarterback, who I'm trying to think of what their name is. Hold on, let me just bring this up real quick. Um, yeah, Western Kentucky's quarterback is legit. I mean. Brand, uh, Bailey Zappi is his name, and he was throwing the ball all over the field, and you could tell that he was good. This is a really, really high, uh, fast-paced, high-octane type of offense where you know they were they were snapping the ball within five seconds a lot of times of yeah. the, the yeah play clock, which is just insane. They were just sprinting to their positions, getting the ball and going. That type of offense can mess with even the best teams. Oh, absolutely! Like I, I think early on we kind of knew um, when we were watching it. I kind of knew that. You know, the Western Kentucky was going to be able to score points. What Michigan State needed to do was just score more. And they did exactly what you're saying. They got out big. They scored 42 points in the first half, which is just insane. And it was led by the effort of Jaden Reed. Um, obviously, uh, um, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker had a, had a yes. really like the most average 125 yard, three touchdown <laughs> game you could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, he's just that good. And then Peyton Thorne was just so solid again. I, I, he throws such a catchable ball. To me, he just is so poised, throws a great catchable ball. And in these kind of games, like if if you're not if if you aren't ready to face the athletes that Michigan State can offer with Jalen Naylor, uh, Jaden Reed, Jaden Reed, and who's yeah. the other one? I mean, Kenneth the, Walker. But the, no, oh, the the bowling Trey, ball type. Trey yeah. Mosley too. Yeah. But Trey Mosley, with those three wide receivers, I I honestly think them in Ohio State probably have the most dangerous trifecta of wide receivers in the Big Ten. I think what we've seen right now, I think Michigan State puts up a better fight against Ohio State between the two schools with Michigan and Michigan State. And we don't need to get into that right now. Um, like I just wanted to make that statement. I don't know yeah. why, but, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But anyways, I want to go through some of the numbers. Nice statement. Peyton Thorne, 20 of 30, 327 yards, a touchdown or rushing touchdown. Kenneth Walker, 126 yards on 24 carries, 5.3 average and three more touchdowns. 
Jaden Reed, 127 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Jalen Naylor, eight catches, 128 yards. Cool to see both of those guys kind of going off. I think that speaks a lot of what Peyton Thorne's doing yeah. for this team. Like I said, I, he throws such a great deep ball. He doesn't – you know when you get those quarterbacks where a guy's open and they just overshoots the wide receivers running down the sideline? No, I've never watched uh, – that dude play for Michigan last year. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that Michigan's had the last several years? Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't do that. He doesn't seem like he over. He throws to his wide receivers on the run, and he hits them. And it just, like I said, it's just catchable. And and I think with the athletes that they have, he also can get bailed out on a few of those jump, like, you know, competitive jump balls over the middle. And it's just a really good thing right now that he's got going. He's got great athletes to, to throw to. And when he gets himself out of the pocket, you saw the rushing touchdown, he can move too. So he can get himself, buy himself extra time, get those guys, let them run themselves open, and he hits them. Yeah, I mean, heading into this game, I think it was a bit of a trap. A lot of people were, were concerned. Um, and I think Michigan did, or Michigan State did a great job. I think it was it was exactly what, you know, who was it, Northern Illinois was for Michigan, Youngstown State. It was like, you have nothing to gain and everything to lose. And they went out and they took care of business. They they put up a ton of points early in the first half. I mean, that that's... I mean, you can't say anything bad about this type of game. Yeah, yeah did they scored 31 points. That offense is going to score against pretty much everybody. I think a downfall is you only scored six in the second half, but I don't care. I don't think this is the type of game you nitpick. I think this is the type of game that you... Went out, you made a, a statement enough, you did it in multiple ways, and you move on, you wash your hands and go. It seemed like the, the points that were scored against him were in a little bit of garbage time mode, which maybe doesn't reflect so well on the coaches because they shouldn't have been in garbage time mode that early on in the game. They, they made a big enough comeback where it got a little squirrely at the end. It's not comfortable. Um, that must have been a good one. I just saw that reaction out of that beer. <laughs> Way different than the Big Merc. <laughs> I think that was the biggest in and that I like inhaled. Man, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just like feel like I'm breathing hard. I'm like, not, like I'm not like dizzy or anything, but I'm just like I don't know. I think I'm just like amped up for yeah. some reason. Don't take your but shirt feel off. Amped just, up? If you're gonna do anything, take your pants off because you can't see them. You can't there. see them. Well, I yeah. gotta stand up to take them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, don't do that. So. Never mind. <laughs> um, now the defense was exposed a little bit, but you know that was a good that was a good offense. There might have been a little bit of uh, um laying the groundwork for other teams so they can see what where the weakness really is. I'm a little worried about the pass rush for Michigan State. I know they had some sacks, but... And, I mean, what, Beasley was out, right? If I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Is he out long-term? I, 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 I don't know. Much. I just know he was out this this past week, and yeah. he's, he's a big name for them. Yeah, and, and I'm a little worried about the offensive line. Um, so they have their, their worries, like... Some state fans were watching the Michigan game, and they were like, "Oh, that I don't like some of those matchups." But yeah. on the other end, you're looking at the the weapons that state has right now, and you're like, "Oh man, as a Michigan I, fan, I don't know, they're <laughs> I, bad I, matchup." I feel like both fans are so nervous, nervous for that game <laughs> because, yeah. like, they're both like, "I've never been in this world where Michigan State's talking up Michigan and Michigan's talking up state, being like." Well, you guys are really good. Well, no, you guys are actually I know, really that's good too. The world we're you living guys in. are really dangerous. Well, you guys have a really good defense. It's like, well, our quarterback might be a little better. Well, I don't know. It's like it's just so many. I don't know. It's it's a weird, weird mode, and I feel like both teams are like, just keep winning. I want that game <laughs> to be what it would it be. I think seven and zero heading into that game, or maybe six and zero. I guess I don't. What are they right now? Five. Yeah, four, five. Oh, ooh, five good, and zero. Good question. I think it's five and zero. 
If Michigan's if Lions are 0 and 4, then yeah, they're 5 and 0. Both teams are 5 and 0. Yeah, they're and both they play to end end October. So they, what do they have? Three more games then? Yeah, so, a, yeah, so that'll be seven the third, and, yeah. seven and oh. oh man, that'd be if nuts. Bo- oh my gosh, I hope it happens. Yeah, me too. I really do. I if, would also, hit, yeah, I don't. know. If we would have predicted this from the beginning, we would have been called slappy. Oh my gosh, everybody would have, yeah, hated <laughs> we, us. We for did it. that two years ago. Yeah, a lot of crap. <laughs> I think for we it. tried to do this year too. We, I don't remember what we. I think we all had a loss for both of them at this point. Yeah, maybe. I think two losses for Michigan State and a loss Was, for Michigan. Wisconsin at this point. for yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I didn't, again, didn't want to dive into it a whole lot. We want to keep it moving. Real quick, before we move into uh, Michigan talk, you said you didn't have any concerns about the Rutgers game. Why, why is that? Like, what makes you so confident for Michigan State? Look, I don't. Rutgers is a good team. I don't want to discount that they are well-coached right now. They have some talent on that team. They're, they play really, really hard. But Michigan State does, too. And, and they're well-coached, too. And they have way more playmakers. They're a very well. similar team. Yeah. But Michigan State is better at it. Yes, across the board, they're better in every department, and I that that's where I think they just went out. I think they went out because of their skill, uh, because of the elite athleticism, and I, I at this point I think Michigan State is very very well coached, and mm-hmm. that team buys in, man. Yeah, I, I agree. The only concern for me is is the fact that Rutgers. So they they competed well against Michigan two weeks ago, but then they followed it up with a fifty-two to thirteen loss to Ohio State. They could get that that mojo going, and I think if Shiano has them, has this team to be at a different Rutgers team. Like they will be ready to play. Well, and I think that's a great point because because Michigan did not have a passing attack at all in that game. Yeah, and so they were shut down on the run a little bit more, and that's why it was close. Ohio so you, State just threw all over them, and yeah. I and I think State can do that. Yeah, they have the athletes in the quarterback. So to Ohio do State it. had two hundred eight rushing yards and three hundred thirty three passing yards. It seems like a good matchup for Michigan State because. What Ohio State just did to them, Michigan State can do that just as well. They can. They can do it. They have the weapons, they, uh, wide receiver. They have the quarterback. They the got boys the best, quarterback, the best single the best running, back. running back in the conference. I I think yeah. overall, I think you know Blake Corum is really good. I think he's got explosive ability. Overall, I think I think Kenneth Walker is just the complete package. Like he is tough to bring down. He's strong. He's athletic. Have you seen his biceps? He's giant. He's a big dude. Yeah, and but he's got the the agility, the speed. He's good overall. I think you know the. We don't need to make this a compared you know comparison yeah, within yeah, the yeah. conference. Yeah. But I think overall, as a single back, just one running back in the conference, I'm taking Kenneth Walker. If you're talking team, I'm going. I'm the, going the one-two punch type thing. Wolverines, yeah. So it, it's it's a really cool situation, but no, I agree. I think Ohio State laid the groundwork. I think State at this point can replicate that. So one thing that uh, worked against Michigan for Rutgers was the the kind of misdirection run option type thing uh, that was somewhat tough for Michigan State to stop against uh, Martinez with Nebraska, that athletic quarterback. Do you think that could be a concern, or do you think the fact that they kind of contained a little bit of, of Martinez that that's not going to be an issue with or is it just mainly Michigan State's offense is that good and it's not going to be a problem no matter what the defense does I think they're that good and they're going to be a problem no matter what I, um when you are a when you have that many weapons on offense you cannot shut all of them down so even if they do then they still have the option to have a very athletic Peyton Thorne roll out and just get some chunk yards cool cool that was my first cool in a while <laughs> I need a bumper. <laughs> I thought you were. I just did that one. 
Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. Michigan went into Camp Randall and beat up on the now 1-3 Wisconsin Badgers, 38-17. Michigan went into the half uh, with a disappointing 13-10 lead, but dominated the rest of the game, scoring 25 straight points before Wisconsin put up a late, meaningless touchdown with 30 seconds left in the game. Cade, 17 of 28 for 197 yards and two touchdowns, both to Cornelius Johnson. The story heading into this Wisconsin game was Wisconsin's league-leading run defense. And although that, you know, they... I lost it, sorry. Although they were very, very good again, Michigan was able to get 112 yards on the ground, 47 for Haskins on 19 carries, 2.5 average, and Corum had 46 on 15 carries for a 3.1 average. Nothing eye-popping by any means, but it was solid enough that they didn't have to abandon the run game and it fall all on Cade. Uh, Michigan's defense was by far the better defense on Saturday, holding Wisconsin to 43 yards on the ground and 67 yards through the air for only 210 total offense. They recovered two fumbles and had one interception, and everyone on Michigan other than Alan Bowman took care of the football with zero turnovers. Cade, already, I already kind of went over the, the, the numbers there. He took care of the football. Again, I thought he looked uncomfortable. What did you think of Cade? And the you know this is the most he's thrown all, all year. Yeah, this is throws. This is an improvement for sure because they did not dominate this game on the ground. They they could not rely on the the rushing attack to win this game for them outright. They had to throw the ball and they scored. They got up early because of the pass, mm-hmm. and that that's what was nice. And yeah, there were some trick plays involved, which made it, his job a little bit easier. Uh, with the with the flea flicker early on, yeah, to that Cornelius was a big, Johnson, very big play. But he hit him in stride. He made the throw he needed to make. Uh, it was not just you know the cornerback didn't bite because of the running play. He beat him one on one. He he brought the safety. Wide receiver in. beat him. Yeah, the, he brought the safety in doing that, and then the wide receiver beat him one on one. And a, a short or long throw would not have led to a touchdown. So he did what he needed to do there. I I was you know kind of proud of him for that one. And then you know he again. I he's he's being a game manager right now. I thought he's he started getting in a groove with this game. Um, the deep throws are where he thrives. He's better a deep throw player than scanning the field and making the right decision downfield. If he knows the play is designed to be downfield, he doesn't. Again, he doesn't seem to overthrow his wide receivers very often. He gives them a chance every single time. And there was a couple plays where, like Cornelius Johnson actually bailed him out once and and swatted the ball away uh, for some you know questionable decisions. Um, so a little a little bit of that is early game jitters, and I think coming into this game, he had three games in a row, four games in a row, where he was not looking very good. Mm-hmm. People are calling for his job. Are you not? I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. I think, I, I think he hasn't done anything to lose the job at this point, but he definitely hasn't done anything to keep it. And the, I think the, that's I, a very... Great way to say it. And the only thing he's done to keep the job is took care of the football. Taking care of the football. They they have zero offensive turnovers on the season. They're the only school, right, in college football. I think. I think they were, but now they have one because Bowman. Oh, that's right. Before that, thanks yeah, a lot, Bowman. Yeah, I still I still think that that doesn't count. I don't think it should either, but it does. Unfortunately, it, it does. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, but again, like their first team has not given the ball away. They haven't turned the ball over, and that's how you win football games, especially the way that they've. 
you know, played up until this point. Yeah, I thought uh, one one nice thing was it seemed like Roman Wilson was kind of emerging as the, I don't want to say safety net because that's probably not fair, but the, the number one guy. Um, I know Cornelius Johnson had the two touchdowns, but Roman Wilson, he, he had six six catches for 81 yards. That's something that we need to see. We need someone to be stepping up with close to, you know, the, the six to eight catches a game. I'd like to see someone hit 100 yards receiving. That would be great to see here in the near future. Um, because you're going to need it eventually. I think he's going to be that guy that could be the one that hits that milestone and kind of emerges as the number one. I know how Do you, you get think to that's 100. fair? Huh. I know how you get to 100. You just put Dalen Baldwin in the game and then have <laughs> JJ throw, JJ JJ throw to him twice. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> He'll be over 100. That, that is a fun. No, but I, I think it's worth it's Yeah, I, it was a good development for the wide receiver group to have Roman Wilson get a little bit of confidence. A lot of those were like on the sideline where the the defense maybe just lost him, and mm-hmm. then those scramble, uh, you know, random plays where he extended those plays. They started to get open for for him. Yeah, I thought. And well, I don't McNamara think we did that for that. himself. He did that for himself by keeping the the play alive instead of rolling just out it. instead of throwing it away. And yeah, yeah. But like, I think it was the first time that we've seen people retreating and helping him out when he was. Doing the scramble because I think he, we've seen him scramble a little bit, and the wide receivers haven't helped him. And I think that was kind of a learning thing that we saw over the last couple of weeks. Is all right when when your quarterback's moving around, you got to retreat back towards him and get yourself open. And I think that we we saw that a little bit more on the, those type of plays. Um, I don't want to get into the the who should be the starting quarterback, but I'm curious how you thought JJ McCarthy was used because he was he wasn't just brought in for a drive here and there. He was used in very particular parts of the game. I'm generally not a fan of it. I thought they utilized him correctly in in that game. They brought him in on a was it fourth and one, I think, yeah, right? Fourth and one goal um, line. Goal line. They he pounded in for a touchdown. He actually missed it and then he got pushed in got pushed by in. his guys. Um technically illegal in the college game, I think. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. But it changes. Nobody's so, gonna but, change that. Yeah, but I mean w- he also had had a couple drives that he started and he got it to third down and then they brought him in. I was surprised when I saw that he only threw the ball one time. He was one for one. Yeah. Um, was there like a pass interference or something that I thought I remember seeing him throw it more? I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I just, think it was the one throw. That was it, and it yeah. was for a touchdown to yeah. Baldwin. And it was just a perfect. Was, pass. Oh my gosh, that was the throw. That's like Cade doesn't do that. Can he? Maybe. Does he? No. That throw <laughs> was spot on well and see i think kate actually throws a really good deep ball so it's not that he can't throw the ball that far it's not that he can't throw that the ball that accurate he already has this year but i know what you're saying there's a difference in how clean of a release that was the 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 rpms of the ball it was like i don't even want to make a comparison but you might be thinking the same thing i am stafford yeah it reminded me so much of a stafford throw i know people that are listening are rolling their eyes here we go again sam's glossing over Stafford. No, like that looked like a Stafford throw. I think a little more air than Stafford usually more air, does. Yeah. Um probably Aaron Rodgers. That would probably be a better comparison with the amount of air under the ball. And the and the perfect the way spiral the, the yeah, way it was. It was like almost like a air. punt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a throw. It, was like this, it wasn't falling. like diving. It was just kind of like falling. And yeah. It's like this. <laughs> the the crazy thing about that that play was it looked like Baldwin was shocked that he could catch that ball so perfectly in stride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was just going, and it just landed perfect. I mean, it was a little outstretched, but it was perfect. It was 
I mean, not outstretched that you fall to the ground to make the catch. No, it's where but you it wasn't like, like behind you. It's where you get on your horse to make sure that you catch, catch the ball because it's perfect. Yeah, and you're yeah. two strides in the end zone. Like it was, I mean, he did have to break the tackle and stuff, but perfectly thrown ball. It was so cool and to I see. And I don't, I don't, th- th- I'm sorry, but I'm on the JJ train where I'm just like, I don't think, I, I don't think Cade does anything that JJ can't. And that's why it's just for me, it is the reward is much greater than the risk. This all comes down to we don't want to throw a true freshman in the game to lose games based on turnovers because he's trying to do too much. and, And this is for the coaching staff to decide in the long term, but it's not a bad thing in my mind to start the season, get him get him confidence, give him some reps, make him, you know, earn his way to the start, to the top. And then when he gets there, he's seasoned. He's seen the field. He knows what to do. He feels the game a little bit. He's been in some of those big games like, you know, with with Wisconsin this week. Those were not throwaway plays. Those were in the heat of the moment. Those were very important plays to get in there, and he's part of the team. Like, you could tell he's part of the team. He is bought in. I mean, after that touchdown, it was one after another. Hug. How many? I know. Hug. It just followed him. And that right there is what's eye-opening to me because – we were told Cade got the job mainly because he was the leader of this team. And I don't I don't want to question Cade's leadership. We're not there. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But when you see people going to him specifically and showing that much love and that much like at a boy, like unbelievable, like that's eye opening to me. Like this team might be ready to be like, let's see what that upside can be. Let's see what this offense can be. With this awesome run game, offensive line, protection, what can we do with true blue, five-star talent, NFL talent, taking snaps? Whether yeah. it's too soon or not, we want to know. You know what I mean? And It gives something different to this offense that they do not have right now. Yeah. What this, this coaching staff has done is I don't think they answered enough questions early on where I can be like confident in Cade. They did that. They caused that to happen in a lot of ways. And... I don't know where I was going to go with this. I had something I thought was a really cool point. So, I missed it. Dang so it. Harbaugh. I, at, I do that once an episode so or at, three times. After the game, Harbaugh Nobody's said coming. that he took a picture of his team because they, they were pumped about this. They got back. They they flew home. They got back at a decent time. And and he as he was leaving, he was like got situated from his office. He was going home. He was leaving to go home. And his guys, J.J. McCarthy – Donovan Edwards and he mentioned one other guy were out there practicing. They were throwing, they were running routes, they were getting some reps in on the football field. This is coming off a big win where they they're not even called to win right now, but this is the mentality that the the Michigan Wolverines has right now with this team. And to me, when I watched the presser with Jim Harbaugh, he was blown away by his team, and they, he kept trying to single out certain players, and he multiple times said everyone the whole team like the whole team just has this mojo right now they're they believe it they're involved they, they feel good about the team they're they're they've bought in yeah. they've bought into the coaching staff and i think that goes back to all the changes they made this off season and all the different young talent that they brought in on the defensive end with i mean man they're just i don't want any other well, defensive coordinator i want to talk about two more things and then we should kind of get this going because we do want to talk some some tigers yes yeah, um and not not have to rush that too much but one thing that i thought was really cool pro football focus came out with a stat wisconsin had 29 dropbacks to throw 29 quarterback pressures no way 
Isn't that insane? Oh now, my who knows what, what pro football focus considers a, a, a quarterback pressure. But the bottom line is that defense was fierce. That defense was absolutely sick. I, again, I watched the game with a state fan this weekend, and his comment on this game during the game was, how is Wisconsin's offensive line this terrible? Yeah. They were so bad. They were beat on every single play, and that just your statue right there just proves what we all saw. Mm-hmm. But it makes it even crazier because we saw it with our own eyes, but to be perfect, 29 for 29, yeah. is mind-blowing. That's insane. Yeah, and I, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson led the way. He, Daxon oh, Hill. Okay. So outside – sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, no, you go. no, 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 because that's a great point because Aiden Hutchinson did not get a sack. He was no. one of the guys that would, did not even actually put up good or, stats. How many sacks did they even get? I don't, I don't think it was a ton. Oh, never mind, it was six. Yes, sorry. a lot of sacks. <laughs> well, and uh, Jabo had two and a half himself. Yeah, he, that he guy played. was – Awesome. Awesome. But, Holy but I still say that Aiden Hutchinson had the biggest impact on that game because he was in the quarterback's face and in the running back's face all game long. I would argue that Daxon Hill had a uh, more impactful game, but that's a good argument that's to a have. Great argument. Um, a great but also, Daxon Hill was one that got picked on on their, their touchdown play to end the, the, the first half. He got beat twice. What do you think about that? Explain to me how you feel like well, he, he was got the beat one that twice. He was the one that, they, that was the one that missed the game. Okay. I agree That's all that. I know. Okay, <laughs> you know, like I, he was the one that was in the end zone when the when the guy caught the ball. He was the one. I think it was a, a big play uh, on the right side of the yeah. field rather than the left. Uh, he had, he was but, he played great coverage two times in a row, and they he got they caught the ball both times. He had the interception. That touchdown pass against him was, a sick was throw perfect. And catch. Could not have yeah. been a better throw. And catch. I was I was a little nervous after that because they made it what thirteen ten. Yep. That game shouldn't have been that close. Yep. It was terrible clock management to head into the, the halftime, I thought. Um, and the, the squib quick, skick, kick, and all that stuff was was awful. Skick. Yeah, you you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah, it was dumb. Um, and they seemed like to have s- some mojo heading into that second half. And the defense And the over. defense absolutely took over. And Daxon Hill, that hit that he put on, whatever that quarterback's name that I don't need to Graham learn. Mertz. Graham Mertz. Oh, my God. Goodness. It was the cleanest, hardest hit I have ever seen, I think, in a college game. Like, that was absolutely insane. And he did it multiple times. He did. And he was in a position that was like, you know, like when you're watching this play and you're like, oh my gosh, that's going to be targeting. That's going to be targeting. Like, yeah. you just know it. Yeah. He adjusts his body on the fly, turns his body, and just kills guys with his shoulder. And he makes it as clean as possible. Like, it, it's awesome. No to see. question. And, yeah. like, the sack, I was like, they're going to throw a flag. Because it's just that hard, and they didn't, and he, and rightfully so. But it, oh my gosh, that hit was literally bone, bone crushing. I think there's probably six broken ribs. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> At I mean, least we'll get the report probably and <laughs> figure out what happened on that play. That was I'm, that changed the game. I'm so glad the way they've been using Daxon Hill this year. He's the all last over. The last two years, he just felt like he was lost in the defense. Mm-hmm. Like he has all this potential that was not being used properly. This time, they're putting him in the in the Charles Woodson type of role where he can run all over the field and, and be that playmaker, put him in the inside slot. I love him as cornerback compared to just pl- only safety. I love him uh, taking away or being a, on a skill position guy, but then also giving him the freedom to run around the field and make yeah. big plays. I think you the the Woodson example is perfect. I think everybody would want to be like, oh, we want the next Jabril Peppers and what he did. 
That's not what this defense it's is going to be. Him. That's not what works in in this defense. It's not what works in college it's football for the him. most part. It's also it's not, not him. him. But not I big. think that's what everybody was thinking. You know what I mean? You get this big time recruit. He's going to be all over the field. No, put him on the the right part of the field, and it's all over the field. But it's not just like you go wherever the heck you want yeah. type thing. Um. So I don't know. Uh, good. Good Michigan talk. I, I don't want to. We're kind of running running tight on time. I don't want to get too much into the. I just want to say that the, the defensive line was insane. It's not even the guys we just talked about. It was Chris Hinton. It was uh, who's the other dude from oh, um, Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith had a great game on the inside. He's from Grand Rapids, so shout out to yeah. him. But yeah, great performance overall in this defense. It was insane. So we do have a comment real quick. Uh, Carrie said, I've been saying since week one, our D looks head and shoulders better than last year, really as long as I can currently remember. And I think that's actually a really good point. I think statistic-wise, we have had better defenses because they just, like, I don't know why, but what we're seeing right now is defense that can truly compete with multiple types of, of offenses. That's what it looks like right now. I think from top to bottom, this is one of the best defenses that we've seen in a long time for for Michigan. Now, it's still a new scheme. Still a lot of question marks. There's still a lot of holes that I think really good teams can expose at some point. I'm still cautious about that. But at the same time, I have nothing bad to say about this defense so far. I really don't. Uh, It was nice to see Josh Ross on the field as well, um, coming off that injury. Uh, Keys to letting Nebraska, or not letting Nebraska catch you off guard. I mean, they're coming off of a 50-67 win over Northwestern. Um, what worked for Rutgers against Michigan, I think Nebraska can do similar things. I'm very nervous for this game. I'm going to be nervous for every single game because I feel like there's so much to gain and everything to lose right now. Are you concerned about this game heading into Nebraska? I think yeah. you have to be. Oh, yeah, I'm concerned, yeah. Nebraska's ne- playing great football right they're, now. They're a good football team. Yeah. Michigan can definitely lose this game, and, and it might come down to a couple of, you know, the way the football bounces like mm-hmm. it, it could be that close um i really want I, I think michigan's defense is well prepared for this i think they can step up and really limit nebraska's offense yeah i don't think they're high powered enough to go up against a defense like what we're seeing right now on a defensive line like what we're seeing but the offensive side i think nebraska could slow michigan's offense down too this might By be just controlling controlling the clock you're saying well oh uh what did I say? You said offense could slow down Michigan's offense. That's what I. Th- that's why I thought. You oh meant no, no. That. I you think I defense? think the defense, Nebraska's defense, could match up really well against Michigan's offense, and um, this might be a game where we need the the rushing attack to. Remember a couple years ago when Michigan just dominated Notre Dame and it came out of nowhere. It was raining. Yeah, and the rain. Yeah, that's the it kind of performance that, like that I that I I really obviously it was an amazing performance, but. That might be one of those surprise, like you beat them at their strength type of things that Michigan needs to do and not get too cute through the air. That's fair. And and all I want them to do coming out of this game is just win. I do not I don't care, care what it looks it. like. Yep, I agree. If they beat them in overtime just like State did, fine with it. Yep. I am completely fine with it. Just, just go win. Just win, baby. Um, what, are we, what are we drinking now? Uh, I just finished mine. It's the, the stout, right? Oh, man. You finished yours? I did, yeah. Jeez. The Peruvian Sumo Imperial Stout. Sumo wrestler... Um, Going up against uh, an alpaca. So we take our <laughs> beloved sumo-based beer and then finish it with vanilla bean, cocoa nibs, and Peruvian coffee. This is a tasty beer, man. It is heavy. It is strong, but there's it's a lot a of It's a really flavor. well-balanced stout, I would say. It, you did say stout, right? That is the stout? Yeah. It's our imperial. Yeah. Yeah, imperial stout. 
I agree. Like it, it stouts usually aren't my my high graded beers, but I think I'm gonna give it a seven seven. I think that's a pretty it's a great l- score. I, I think it's a little low. If for people that really like stouts, this might be actually a lot better than where I'm grading it. But like where I'm at with, and th- that's the hard thing about the the variety packs is like we're tasting a sour, then we're going to a Merck, uh, <laughs> yeah. New England. You know what I mean? It's Our like, so well, confused, I, yeah. it's, it doesn't know what's going on. So <laughs> what a good and then I grade the sour this, so I can't give it higher. But like I I think that's a fair enough grade. What did I say? Seven seven. Seven seven. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go seven eight. And it's not just to just one up you once again <laughs> for the third time. for the third for the third time. You've done it every time. No, but You're gonna I, make the averages uh, for me easy <laughs> when I do the math. Here, it's right? just everything's gonna be point five. <laughs> no, I think uh, you said it. I mean, this is really really good. Um, if I'm gonna go drink, if I'm gonna go find a stout to drink, this is definitely on the list. I'm gonna go look for this. Yeah, and it'll so be a great. What, what else in it? Did we go through that? Yeah, sure did. It was part of the description that I that I told you earlier. Perfect. It's got I'll the just listen tomorrow. Vanilla bean, cocoa nibs, and yes. Peruvian coffee. You can taste all of those. I agree. You really can. Yeah. Um, before we get into the main topic for episode 125, uh, I did want to remind everyone that the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is open and pouring some of the best craft beer in West Michigan. Their revamped food menu, rotating taps, wine, and ciders make the hops perfect for what they going on. From dinner with the friends, late night drinks, dinner with the family, late night drinks with friends, and everything in between, the hops is becoming a staple in the West Michigan restaurant community that we highly recommend to our friends and listeners. The hops is the official brewery of State of My Sports in 2021, and if you mention State of My Sports, you'll get a nice little discount off your first beer. What are, what are we going to move to next? Like, what what beer are we going to drink next? I think we should end with the Slamnesia. Slamnesia. I yeah. agree. Let's end with that. So, do you do you have the Imperial over there? Yeah, I've got the All Imperial right. Raspberry Vanilla Porter. Ooh, boy, darn! So halfway. Th- well, actually, at the end of the Tiger Stock, we'll do that, and then we'll grade uh, the last one at the during our beer grade segment. Does that work for Sounds you? Sounds good. Yeah. I can't believe we've already done three. Plan. We're moving through. Yeah, I mean, have you fin- you finished yours? I did. I haven't finished mine. Yet. I mean, that's why my heart's racing so much. That <laughs> coffee. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. If you man. need to take I, a break. Just let me know. I we should can. I should probably transfer the 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 <laughs> that there. there I don't go. know, man. I'm like, I've never been at this like in a long time. I don't know if it's, what's going on, but it's fun. It, it is fun. I'm all right with it. Where we fun? Just don't hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> going too hard, bro. My heart's gonna explode. <laughs> um, Detroit Tigers season wrap up. So basically, I mean, I don't know where where we go with with this. I I, I just kind of put a whole mod podge of of information onto our these Detroit sheets, Tigers, and we can I just mean, talk about it. What? Okay, overall season recap. How are you feeling about the the season that we just had? with this team? I mean, because expectations going into the season were so mixed. I did not think there was anything that could happen in the season that I would be this excited about and this confident. And you know how I am with Alavila. I'm still not sold on him. You hate him. <laughs> I strongly dislike him. You just don't like his face. I think that's it. Uh, I don't or know. his trades from 2016. The 15. trades are what bothers me, and, yeah. and honestly, the, the signings bother me a little bit. And I think we can get into that here in a, here in a bit as well. Okay. I mean, I I think the best way we can look at this is is we we listen we both listened to our season preview. Yeah, we did uh, earlier today, and we kind of discussed the notes and stuff. What I think we should start is is what the um, opening day roster looked like, and kind of what it turned into. Is that a, a good way to do I, it? I think it's a great idea. All yeah. right, so I want to start with with just kind of going over the the opening day roster. Wilson Ramos was the catcher. Miggy first base slash DH. Jonathan Scope was second. 
Uh, Candelario was third. Willie Castro was our starting short. Uh, Robbie Grossman was our left field. Jacoby Jones in center. Uh, Mazzara, what's his first name? Nomar Mazzara. Nomar Mazzara was our right fielder. Um, I I highlighted obviously I think the the three and obviously I, I think I'm missing our DH in this here, if we if we have Miggy as first slash DH. But anyways, this is where we were at. I highlighted the three guys. You look at Wilson Ramos, Jacoby Jones, and uh, Nomar Mazzara. Uh, and I have their their thing here. So, uh, Ramos, Akil Badu is actually in, in, in the starting lineup game one. Okay, I think because he had a home I th- run. I I think I no. Uh, oh, maybe that was, was game second two. Or, pinch, oh yeah, the pinch hit. Yeah, you're right. Or no, it wasn't a pinch hit. He started. He started game but his two. His first pitch of his career. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. batting seventh, I think, um, or eighth, maybe. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm t- discussing that. But sorry, <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. But basically, so our starting catcher, Wilson Ramos, and I, and obviously, I want to bring up our, our backup catcher was was Grayson Griner. I didn't have his numbers on there, but those were our two starting catchers. Ramos had 35 games played for Detroit, and then they released him. He moved on to Cleveland and struggled there too. Yep. Ugly. Yeah. Ugly sign didn't work out the way that we thought. Yep. Um, Jacoby Jones started in center. He played in 36 games this season. And then uh, Nomar Mazzara, who fought some injuries and stuff, played in 50 games. That right there tells me, like, that's three positions that we just moved completely on from. Yeah. Midseason and just moved on and we wash our hands we just and cut they're ties, done. Yeah, yeah. Whether we send them down or we cut them and designate them for assignment, all that stuff. It's like that's a big deal. I think Badu and what Badu did, like he took over that center field job. Absolutely. And Jacoby Jones lost. I think it was a mix because Jacoby Jones, if he was hitting two eighty, he would have stayed up. He would right? have. Yeah. Um, but he was struggling, and then Badu obviously was was doing what he did. Oh, well, we talked about it at the beginning of the of the season, and we did a few different episodes. We didn't do a formal season preview. Yeah, yeah, it was a little different. But um, Jacoby Jones was one of those guys who you know you brought up. Like, can he finally figure it out? And the answer the whole time was no. Like, we know what he is. He's an athletic center fielder that used to be a shortstop. We we're, we're all love the way he plays and how hard he plays. But, sorry, the dude's not going to figure it out with the bat. Like, he's going to forever be a 210 to 220 hitter without a lot of power. And it doesn't really bring a lot, you know, of, of extra stuff to the team. He's just a strikeout waiting to happen mm-hmm. against a, a good pitch. So, that's not a guy that you want to just make – part of your long-term plans. And what I like about A.J. Hinch and what this team did this year is they didn't waste their time with those kind of guys just getting through the season just to get through the season and have a bad season. He moved on to guys who he thought might have earned a position, yeah. competed a little bit, and might be part of the long-term plans of this team because not because of their, you know, how big and strong they are, how fast they are. Not because they're a prize po- prospect. But, they just but how they're playing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I so, mean, who who stands out to you out of out of those players? Well, Badu is. I was think Badu is 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 the awesome. big one. Who, yeah. For to remind everybody, he was the Rule Five pick that we we got from the Twins organization. Yep. And he had to stay up. Yep. Like he deserved to stay up. And I think he that's the cool thing. Um, Twenty two years he is old a piece. coming up. He is a piece that this time last year we had no idea we had figured out. He's a piece in this lineup, and is he going to be every single day? Maybe not. Once we start getting these prospects up, but what he is is he's a very good situational defender and very good pinch hitter, um, great on the base paths. And if he's not 
a long-term piece, that's a really good thing for this organization because he deserves to be in lineups more times than not. I just think if you look at what what Badu did this year with the team, you know, we have um, Riley Green, we'll get into it, but we have Riley Green coming up who we expect to be the center fielder slash right or left fielder of the, fu- yeah, of the future. Yeah, probably right, right? Probably right field eventually yeah. because I think Badu runs better than he does. But Badu, like if you think about that, kind of an, uh, a prospect that we have, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, mixed with a guy like Badu who just covers so much ground and is such a, a – spark plug to this offense and you know hit 260 280 on the year whatever he did plus the home run the power the the stolen bases that just that is the the random piece that we added that we just might have found a long-term piece that we needed to have when that was the whole point of this season when you go back and listen to what we talked about at the beginning of the year it was we know we have the top level prospects those are the easy first round draft picks they're working out which is great it doesn't work out for a lot of teams but ours are working out but not only that this this franchise needs to be grown and based on finding all of the other pieces the 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 guys you build you really build the franchise around the seventh you know the Johnny Peraltas that hit 25 to 30 home runs yeah. and is solid at shortstop and and your your um you know Brandon Inges and some of the guys who are real pieces, Craig Monroe's in left field in 2006. Like those are legitimate pieces that make your team, you know, bring your team to the next level in the long run. So we're talking about the the outfield now. Do you think Derek Hill kind of became another chance to be a piece, or is he just going to be that continue to get? I hate saying that he's going to continue to get hurt. Yeah, I don't. I don't think, think that's fair. I don't think it's fair either because they're fluky injuries and they're just injuries and. Someone could wake up one day, like Stafford had that for a while. Was oh, he's gonna he's a China doll. He always gets hurt. And then he was went how many straight starts? Then he was yeah, Peyton Manning. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about Derek Hill? I like what I saw from him. I do too. I liked I liked the way he played. I there is something to be said about the way the Tigers played this season. From beginning to end, they tried hard. They took the extra base when they needed to. Yeah. And they they Very ran aggressive. they yeah they ran the bases like I wanted them to and they had a chip on their shoulder they were ready to play and prove something to to all the doubters I guess you could say and you know Derek Hill is exactly one of those he was a first round pick in 2014 yeah and has struggled in every single season in the minors ever since he was like a career 220 hitter or something ridiculous in the minor leagues yeah and he came up and he. He changed his swing going into the year. He changed his, his whole swing and body position in the batter's box, and it paid off. Like He worked he, his way to be looking comfortable. He did. Yeah, you're right. Like maybe a 250 hitter, but great defense, great base running, a great attitude yeah. in the dugout. And that just, you know, that proliferates through the whole clubhouse. That's a nice word right oh, there. I, I like that. Thank so you. I think the other, the other two names that stood out to me, I mean, I, I brought up how Wilson Ramos and Grayson Griner were eventually not on the roster with, with, because of injuries or cut or whatever it was. Eric Haas and Jake Rogers kind of emerged as decent one-two catcher there. I'd say awesome. Look, Jake Rogers is never going to light the world on fire with his bat, but that dude is what I want a catcher to be for the Detroit Titans. He's Yachty-esque back behind the plate. Like He's got like that kind of arm. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he was absolutely sick. He has got an amazing so, arm. He's getting Tommy John surgery. Yep. Obviously, for a pitcher, that's usually a year, year and a half type of recovery. Is that the same for a catcher? Do catchers usually get that? What kind? Of, like, are there any examples of 
how he will recover from something like this? That's a great question. Um, it's not as common with catchers, obviously, but I don't think there's as much worry about it because he doesn't need to prove his velo. Okay. You no, know, he doesn't need to get back up to you know. For a pitcher, if you're if you go from 96 to 92, you've lost so much about what what made you uh, a pitcher. This is a good beer, by the way. That's really good. Yeah. Um, but as a catcher, that's not as as big a deal. You can you can make some adjustments as needed to to make up for that. I remember when I had shoulder surgery in college, and this is a terrible example because it's a labrum, not Tommy John. But I lost. I mean, I lost huge velocity in, in my throwing motion and, and arm and everything. And I still threw out like over 50% of runners because I decided to turn into the quickest hands I could possibly get. Is that what pop is? Pop time? Yeah. Yeah, pop time would be the, the moment. Up and out. Well, the pop time is the moment the ball hits your glove to the moment the ball hits the glove of the second baseman and tags the runner. Okay. So it doesn't matter how strong your arm is. It matters how quickly the ball gets from you to second base. And so you can do that through a quick exchange. You can do that through not even standing up, just throwing from the knees. You can do that in a lot of different ways. Jake Rogers, I think, can come back from this, no problem, and, and probably do it quicker than the 12- to 14-month interval. Um. Okay, so do you think that those guys are the starting catchers? Or what do we need to do? We need to find somebody. Oh yeah, I think I think we stick with Eric Haas. We stick with uh, Jake Rogers. I think Grayson Griner is still a decent backup piece because people get injured, and like we saw this year throughout the whole organization. Um, and then we've got Dylan Dingler waiting in the in the um, the minors. minor leagues, yeah. and yep. and he's on his way up, and he's not too far away. And I love the way that kid catches, and and he's going to be a better bat than all of them. So uh, Eric Haas. 20 plus home runs. I mean, he was he's on the short list of big impact rookies. The biggest, I know he's 28, the biggest disappointment for this year is we didn't find our shortstop that worked. Um, short looked good at shortstop, but he couldn't carry a bat. Um, Willie Castro, not that great defensive, not a great arm, more of a second baseman arm, probably, is what I <sighs> Willie hear. Willie Castro just struggled. The this most year. confusing player, I think, this this season. He had three fifty last year in a shortened season, but mm-hmm. it was still three fifty. That's over that's like more than half a season. Yeah. And and this year he really struggled. He started putting it together by the end. He brought his average from like one eighty to to two sixteen to two twenty by the was? end. Okay. Yeah. So I think he's still figuring it out. He's young. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's still somebody that you can work around. But you're right. We did not find our franchise shortstop. Harold Castro is the other one that ended up taking the job by the end. Which you called. We called at the I'll say we we Thanks. as we as a podcast that. called that Harold Castro was going to be an everyday hitter, everyday infielder, and he would probably lead the team in average, and that's basically exactly what we saw. Yeah, I Obviously, the talk is going out and signing the shortstop. The big name, there's a lot of them out there. Do you think that's the way to go right here, right now? And that just fills probably your your only healthy one through nine hole. Yeah. Potentially. I, this, oh man, what a good question. So, I, re- so, I, really so what think, I, I really think we don't need to overpay for one of these guys. But I also would love for them to solidify this and maybe be, you know, the third or fourth shortstop of the group. Okay. So I don't know if you have something. So what I kind of wrote down here was our our catcher started out with Ramos. I think Haas slash Rogers, and I think it's going to be a Grayson Griner position as well because I think Rogers isn't going to 
So I, I, basically what I'm doing is looking at what we did this year, or starting this year, and what we're looking at heading into the season is, is basically what I wrote down here. So Haas and Rodgers, um, I think Grayson Griner will kind of fit in that mold as well as Rodgers continues to get healthy, are, is our starting catchers heading into 2022. Yeah. Um, Miggy will still be our first base in, baseman slash DH. Uh, DH. Um, I think Scope will be our second baseman slash first baseman. That's another thing that we learned is Scope is a pretty good first baseman. He's actually pretty good, yeah. He actually did a really good job, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Um, especially, like, hits towards him. I think his footwork could get a little better. Um, but I, I don't think he hurt us by any means. Um, so, Scope will be that first first baseman slash second baseman. Um, possibly Willie Castro will be that second baseman or Harold Castro second baseman? I think both Say, of them, yeah. Assuming we find a shortstop, which okay. I have as to be determined here. Um, Candelario, third baseman of the fu- third baseman of now, I should say. I don't know about the future. Yeah. Third baseman for now in not a hole. I think what he did was he had a good follow-up season to his breakout season last year. Yeah, he did all right. He picked it up by the end too, which is good. It was good to see his good September with some power there. Too. I like his attitude. I like his leadership. I thought he's done a, I've I do too. I'm very comfortable with him heading into 2022 at, at third base. I, I also think it's worth noting that good managers know impact players that cre- <laughs> that change a clubhouse, and I trust I, I trust our manager right now. I just yep, do. I AJ Hinch has it figured out. So Willie Cashel is our starting short shortstop. I don't see him being that heading into 2022. If he is, I think that's a hole, um, and it's just a holding place. Um, I, I put as TBD. I think you're going to go out and make a move for a shortstop, whether it's a top guy or a mediocre good enough guy. I think that's going to be a spot that we fill. Grossman in left field, I think he's going to get the start in left field again. Jacoby Jones was our center fielder. I think Badu, Derek Hill, um, along with Mazzara in right field, I think Derek Hill, Badu, our, shorts, our center right field starting day one. Like, I think they've shown enough to, to be that guy. Unless... Obviously, things can change. I don't want to go overboard here. What I'm basically trying to expose here is we have still a pretty good 1-9. We got to find a shortstop heading yeah. into 2022. Yep. How do we make this even better and take another step? I don't think any of these guys did bad enough that they deserve to lose their job. Um, obviously, I'm always for upgrading, but I'm really comfortable with that. Um, that was probably a little longer than we should have gone, but I do want to get into the rotation as well. Well, so, I, yeah, so... I think just to like round off the whole thing, that might be what we're planning to to start the year. But w- the the exciting part is we have some pieces coming up right now, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. And some of these guys like Derek Hill, Badu, even Grossman, and and you know like Candy and and Jonathan Scope, none of their positions are safe. That's and, true. And I think that's a great spot to be in going into next year. All of these guys could could and probably might be probably be in the starting lineup to start the year but one month into the season things could look really different. Because keep in mind two years ago Candelario was playing first base because he was struggling at third to make room for Isak Paredes. Will that happen again? There's a really good chance. I'm a big fan of Isak Paredes. I am too and we don't need to get into that right now but it's something to keep an eye on. That was just kind of what I wanted to you know see what we learned you know what I mean and I, I'm very comfortable with it with that starting. I'd say the biggest disappointment of the season is that we did not find the trade pieces that we needed. That all the veteran signings that we had at the beginning of the year yep. were meant for those mid-season trades, and we none of them turned up. Mazzara, um, Ramos, 
uh, getting into the rotation here. Getting so, into we, rotation. so rotation here, Matt Boyd, Julio Tehran, Jose Urena combined together for 34 starts. That's not a big number for three guys that were in the starting rotation. Um, obviously, Tehran, uh, one start, he must have got hurt. He got hurt right away. Yeah, and that, it was that so sucks. Disappointing. Jose Urena was awful, then good, then hurt, then awful, and then a <laughs> bullpen guy. Uh, another one of those signings that it should have, we hoped it turned into anything. Yeah. 34 starts out of those three guys was very disappointing. You get into the Casey Mize, Tarek School, Matt Manning, and even Willie Peralta, those are guys that I think we learned a whole lot about. Um, Casey Mize, for me, I think we had enough uh, – we, ha- we had a, a fair reason to have doubt heading into the season, and I think he shut up a lot of doubters because of the way he pitched. And his numbers weren't staggering by any means. Um, if you want to bring them up, you can and, and tell me where I'm wrong with that. But, like, I felt like even in – like, the numbers aren't going to do justice for what he did. Because there were so many times that he was one pitch away to getting that other win or one pitch away from getting out of an inning where he gave up a two-run home run. We're in the, those are like the learning opportunities that he's he did a lot of learning, but he did a lot of dominating. Too. He did a lot of good four-inning work and that, then falling apart in the fifth. That is the perfect. I think it's still his rookie year, right, technically? Or, I think uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't Let's know. just call it his rookie year. That is a perfect rookie year for Casey Mize because he was gaining confidence in his stuff but learning about his mistakes as well. Can't get any better than that, obviously, unless you're absolutely dominating. You, yeah. If you don't have to learn from your mistakes, that's great. But in this ERA, type of season, yeah. sick. ERA isn't everything, but a three seven one ERA for your rookie season oh, yeah. with 30 30- Game started. Thirty games started. He, he got to one hundred fifty innings pitch. Um, we've I I think this podcast specifically, and and if you go listen to other podcasts like Michigan or, or Detroit Tigers podcast or, or even yeah. like local podcasts or radio, they they don't know what they're talking about. They really don't. They they'll talk about um, Casey Mize being exactly like Justin Verlander. It's not the same. So when when he has a year like this with one hundred fifty innings pitch and one hundred and eighteen strikeouts. Who pegged who pegged that from the beginning? We as a podcast like destroyed this pick. Like we told you, his key was going to be fastball command and pitching to contact early, and that's what he grew into. That's exactly what he matured into long term. And my favorite part of what we saw about Casey Mize this year is his splitter was not even very good. He didn't have command of his splitter all season long, but what he did is found his fastball and and found it to to he started getting some movement on his fastball. So every single at-bat that guys had against Casey Mize was uncomfortable. And that's the best word I can come up with as a hitter. If you are uncomfortable facing a guy, even when you know a fastball is coming and a 2-0 count, man, that that's a good spot to be in as a pitcher. And all season long, it looked like hitters were just uncomfortable against him, swinging, swinging up against that 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of movement to it. I loved his attitude, too. Like, I he... Walked into this rotation and look, I was I was saying maybe start him in the minors, let him work his way up, and it would have came quick with the injuries and stuff. But he didn't, and he walked in and he was the guy in that rotation. He was the one having fun. He was the one saying, "Give me another chance." He was the one saying to a well, you know, respected manager, and be like, "No, go sit down. Like yeah. I want this. I want one. this. I want this. I love that." 
I love what he did. I loved his attitude. I loved his swag. He has a little bit of more swag than I think people give him credit for, too. Oh, yeah. Like, that guy, he's got some confidence, and that's a great thing for a pitcher. I love what I saw from him. I was nervous, and I was blown away what he did. Me, too. I I don't think you could have a really a better year than what he had because he had the innings limits. So even when he was locked in late in the season on a lot of these games through two innings, three innings, they pulled him. Yeah, and he was not happy about it. But, he they, was, but there were also times that it was you get three innings, and he pitched so well yeah. they gave him the fourth. So I feel like he earned he earned that respect from the manager and yeah. the pitching coach to change because he deserved that extra inning. Well, yeah, it's the fourth inning, no big deal. But he deserved that, and I think that's good for him because it's the second time through the order. He's he, he's going through the heart of the order that second time. That's a good test for a guy like that. If you take him after three. Uh, facing the minimum or maybe the leadoff guy after that, you're not really getting that extra test. And he deserved it. He earned it. He performed pretty well. He limited his walks as well. Yeah, well, so how many walks did he have <clears throat> per nine? Did, well, per uh, nine, it was 2.5, which is was a pretty respectable number for starting pitcher. I mean, it's a little maybe higher when, than which one. When his innings count isn't high either, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was, if you look at the year before, it was 4.1. And it was in limited work, absolutely. But four point one compared to two point five, he got dialed. He got comfortable. He got comfortable in the mound, and that that's why starting in the big leagues this year for Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal, we'll talk about pretty soon. Yep, let's those two guys. The fact that they got thirty starts, twenty nine starts in the big leagues, they they are now comfortable. They are now considering themselves big leaguers. Yeah, they've gone through the full season with the schedules, the every fifth day, the the. The running in between, taking care of your body, the yeah. diet side of it, they're they're veterans now. They've gone through this, and he, and at this point, they're just working their way up. They're learning. They come in next year. They know what's going on. There's no more question marks. Man, they, they're ready to go at this point with all these limit restrictions kind yeah. of pulled away they're from They're going to be pulled away. Yeah. Because this team's going to be ready. So, so excited. So, uh, Casey Mize, 150.1 innings. Tarek Skubal, 149.1. That was their target. They nailed it right on the head. Great job by the pitching uh, coach. Great job by uh, another. I mean, AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch. Uh, we we Love can't say dude. enough about this guy. Unbelievable. Let's talk a little bit about Tarek School. Maybe move through it a little quick so we can touch on Manning sure. and Peralta a little bit here. Um, I mean, strikeouts are, are one thing here, right? Unbelievable numbers there. Um, the home runs were a little high. I think those are the kind of the those are the risk rewards that you're going to get with this type of guy. Yeah, he's learning <laughs> and. On the job, like, I love it. <laughs> you were one that is like, he might be the Max Scherzer to the Justin Verlander where Casey Mize is going to get all the attention while Scherzer was actually the better pitcher. Um, and that's probably unfair. It's debatable, but, but, but so true. Like it It's was, a worthwhile discussion, and that's exactly the But when it dynamic. was Verlander-Scherzer, there wasn't a debate. Yeah. You know what I mean? There should have been, and that's kind of where I think it could turn into with a Scooble to Mize thing. Is yep. Everybody's going to expect Mize to be the guy, and it's not a fair argument but it is right 97 from the left side at his arm angle and the ease at which he throws the ball is just rare it just is the way he delivers the ball is rare I, there's a lot of talent there you see it in the strikeout numbers you know the case per nine is 9.9 unbelievable strikeouts that's, per nine innings against big again, hitters let's say a rookie season that's unbelievable i know and, and he got 29 starts in the bigs this year his walks were high so um, he didn't really have that problem. So with the forty-seven minors. walks in in the one hundred forty-nine point one innings. So I guess I guess it's not as that bad. bad. I guess they weren't as high as I thought. Two point eight walks per nine compared to Casey Mize's two point five. 
Um, but the home runs at 35 is what's, I think, the biggest concern from, from what it sounds like, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just a standard young pitcher issue. They they get beat over the middle when they're trying to do too much. If they don't pick, pitch to contact early on in the count, and I know this is counterintuitive. People think that if you pitch to contact early on in counts, then you're going to get more home runs against you. That's not the case. You get home runs hit against you when you fall behind in the count. So Tarek Skubal fell behind in too many counts. It was too many 2-0s and O's where it was a guaranteed fastball. And then you get guys like Nelson Cruz just – he's not going to get beat by 97 over the middle. It doesn't matter how good you are. He's going to hit that. So he, that was just too many times for Tarek Skubal. But he's learning. He's learning on the job. That's the most exciting part of this. I, I felt great about his season. Uh, what is it? 4.34 ERA, 29 – Game started, 31 games, 149.1 innings pitch. He really wanted to get to 150 that last game, you could tell, um, but he got pulled after a couple more home runs. So overall, great season. I'm proud of these guys. I, I think this is where, you know, if you're going to base your team and look at teams like the Seattle Mariners, how they turned it around this year, they did it with a whole bunch of pitchers throwing at four ERAs. Keep yourself in the game and let your hitters hit. And yeah. guys like Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, the the rest of this group, they will keep us in the ball game for a lot of years to come. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, Matt Manning and Willie Peralta, um, two guys that weren't on the radar. I, I think for most Tigers fans, um, that got thrown into action and performed pretty well. Let's start with Manning. He's been a prospect for a little bit. Um, people that follow it will recognize the name. Yeah. Um, what did you think about what, what you saw from Manning? I I think this is a tale of two halves for Manning. He did not get called up early in the in the season. He was more of a mid-season call-up because of injuries and everything well, else. Also, for the record, he was not doing well in AAA. He was doing really poorly, yeah. really, really badly. And and he has dominated uh, minor league baseball. Like He, is he, was, he won Pitcher of the Year. Twice, I think, right? Yeah, for the minors. Yeah, yeah for, for the, the minors. Pirate, yeah, for the um, Tigers. Yeah, but he he's a swing and miss kind of guy. And when he came up to the majors, the first part of his season, he looked off to me. He was throwing ninety to ninety one, sometimes ninety two miles an hour, and he just to me looked like he had zero command of his fastball. And when you are an athletic pitcher like that, with when you rely on your fastball command, you you cannot. You, you just can't get away with it, and he did not get away with it at all early on. He fell behind so many counts. He was throwing, again, 91 miles an hour. I told you, like, mid-season, I'm looking at him like, he, this isn't the same pitcher. This isn't the same pitcher I used to watch in double-A, like his highlights or his even just standard games. Like, the, his delivery was off, his timing was off, but as the season went along, his timing and his delivery got on point. He started throwing 96, 97 miles an hour. He was starting to live there by the end of the season. And I think he just, by the end of the season, got to the point where he started getting confidence with his off-speed pitches too. Do you think he has a place in this rotation from day one? Obviously, time will tell. And, Absolutely. And you think he deserves it, and you think they'll give it to him. Absolutely, they I want do. They want those that 300 monster. That's their core. Yeah, they want that to come up together. They want... 2022 to be that year for them. What did you think of Willie Peralta? Kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of uh, Tigers fans. Really showed well at times, but also got beat up at times. Do you think he could be a, a good placeholder with, with Spencer Turnbull 
Matt Boyd's question of, of injuries heading into 2022. Man, that sounds good. Turnbull, Boyd. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice Mize, if Turnbull Scribble, was there. Manning. Like, Joey, Joey Wentz. <laughs> Joey Wentz coming up. I know. Like I, I'm getting pumped about that already, and then the season just ended. But, but Willie Peralta. Willie Peralta, I think he's a perfect guy to have around. You cannot get through a season with five starters. Yeah. No, that's, that's re- just yeah. that's not. And realistic. you actually said that in the last last one. Oh, did I? I? Was, yeah, I was I was fighting for a six man rotation. You're like Sam, just somebody's injured. Somebody's <laughs> gonna get hurt. It, just get that six man rotation. Somebody's out of always injured. The only team to ever get through a season unscathed was the Tigers, actually, for like five <laughs> years in a row back in the early 2010s. But it just doesn't happen. People are going to get hurt, especially these guys these days. I don't know why, but they're always hurt. Matthew Boyd will be on the injured list at some point well i think he's gonna start on the injured list yeah, right? he probably will yeah i don't even know oh yeah never mind uh, i don't know if he got he didn't get tommy john he, didn't get but tommy he got john. some kind of surgery i thought i think he's still waiting oh are they waiting he's rehabbing yeah uh, which is that's never always scary time. yeah <laughs> but he has to at this point in his career he's like like this is night and day for me seriously like, he's playing for that next contract yeah that's what he's doing uh but it, <laughs> I think this is exactly the type of veteran you want to keep around. You want to he's going to have a place on the team no matter what if it's a long reliever or somebody you throw in as a spot starter or a full-time starter. I think he can pull it off. He proved it this year. He had a great year. What what was his ERA? 307. Yeah. 307 with 18 games started. I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. He's been an underrated pitcher his entire career. 9 years in the bigs. He is always been undervalued he's had a couple of rough years but a lot of really good years he's got swinging this stuff I, I he keep him around i i think i think he's a guy to just be a safety net he's a safety net for the for the coaching staff who who was that pitcher that he won an era title um and he he had like some really big strikeout games uh we traded for him from the roar was it royals Doug was Fister? it marlins no marlins no, he was the um, oh my gosh, You're he was. We got a shortstop and him in in the same deal, with the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, um, we traded uh Jacob Turner and like some yeah. other big names at the time. Anibal Sanchez. Yes. Look, different type of pitcher, but I feel like he could be that type of. I, I guess, I guess the reason why I want to compare him is because when he's on. He is on. Like, lights out. He's hard to hit. He pitches. I mean, he gets a decent amount of strikeouts. He's just, like, when when everything's clicking, he's a very, very good pitcher, just like Anibal Sanchez was. When it's off, it's a short outing. It is ugly, and it can, like, like you know what I mean? When like, you're, oh, yeah, when your off speed is <laughs> like, lazy over like, the middle of the look, plate, it's simple. That's the story of a pitcher. I know that it's not breaking news or anything, but that's who I thought of in that way. And it, it might different type of pitcher, I'm sure. Like terrible comparison, but like that's where I reminded me of was like reliable when he's reliable, awful when he's awful. If that's who did, yeah. Who, who did we trade to the A's uh, a couple years ago? Who did we trade to the A's? Yeah, he threw no hitter last year. Not this year, but last year, I think. I don't think we had a pitcher to throw no hitter last year. No, with For the A's. The, oh, with the, with A's, the he threw A's, no hitter. Oh my gosh. That's who he is. I'm just trying to. I don't remember. He's he's better. He's better than you think. That's the perfect way to describe Willie Peralta. He's better than you think he is. So uh, again, I think I think he's great to have as part of the piece moving forward. Can we talk about the bullpen? Yeah, I'd love to get into the bullpen because. This is a It's group. not a fun thing to talk about, but this on paper, 
I wrote it down. It feels good. It feels really good. Go, feels, go through it. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about uh, Soto as the as your closer and just wipe out stuff left-handed, you know, 100 miles an hour. Gregory Soto is an awesome piece to have, and, and he's electric. You can just know that when he's in Mike the game. Mike Fires. Yes, Mike Fires. That is, to me, exactly who he is. I think he is a, an underrated starting pitcher, and we're talking about going Backwards, Back sorry, Willie, but yeah, sorry, Willie, just, Willie Peralta, yeah. and that—that's who I think he, you know, and he went and found himself on the A's during a. Uh, so are you telling me he's going to tell on the Tigers for cheating in two years? Well, yeah, because that's what Mike Fires did to the yeah. Astros. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he was the one that started that fire. I'd be okay with that. I saw that. I like it. Thanks, man. Uh, Gregory Soto, awesome. Uh, moving into Jose Cisnero. What you wanted to say something? No, I do the last name, and then I wanted to talk about all three of them. Cisnero is again; he's he's just such a reliable end of game guy to to have in there, and Andy's right-handed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get into Michael Fulmer, who has all of the competitiveness and just like fire and attitude that you need in that kind of like high stress scenario. He comes in; he's the bulldog. He knows that he's going to win that scenario. Yeah. So, two things. First thing, Michael Fulmer, again, we nailed it on the head for, and I'm saying we because that's what you're trying to tell me to do. We you did. you nailed it on the head. <laughs> uh, like he fit that mold perfectly. These three together, I feel like is the perfect seven, eight, nine, and it doesn't matter who's getting the seven, who's getting the eight, and who's getting the nine. It felt good, didn't it? It felt really good. And look, Soto was the majority, of the, I think, the, the nine inning guy, right? Mm-hmm. But there were times that he was getting the eight and Fulmer was getting the nine, or Cisnero was getting the seven. Like it, it changed so much, and I think all of them have the it and the stuff to be hard nosed. Like we're going to make this very difficult for it's, you. It's a pretty cool situation. It is it's not just about themselves either. It turns it more into we are a group yep. of of relievers, and they're all. They're all pulling for each other, and they they all have pride for each other. So it, when when Soto goes out there, Fulmer is thinking, "This is my guy. You know, we're gonna go win this because I believe in him, and he believes in me. If I go out there in that same and, scenario." And the key to this is like they're not lefty righty specialists. That that ship has sailed. When these pitchers come in, they have to pitch to three batters minimum in the late innings. That changes everything. And what these three guys can do is they can pitch to lefties and righties. They can dig deep and get multiple guys out. Obviously when things are on, when the things are off, things go crazy. But this is a very good back end of a rotation that you shorten a game. I, I think you can turn into that Royals-esque team with this type of back end to a bullpen. Absolutely. I love it. I This is exactly what you need, especially with a bunch of young pitchers. And if you can get anything valuable like for your squad on a, out of a former, great. Like, and I'm not saying in the trademark. I'm saying make him valuable to this team, and I think they did a great way, great job doing that, even through injuries. And we don't have the numbers here. It's not worth getting the numbers at this point. It's a it factor. It's an eye test with these closers because the numbers probably weren't great, um, but it there was something that we saw that were that's it's worth getting excited about. Well, and then and then you bring in guys like you've got Tyler Alexander here and what an awesome just spot starter here and there, and yeah. you know when they're long grinded out type of road trips or something. And and then also the long reliever. Like he came he won. He was a difference maker a lot of well, times. He got called in to start 
often. And often. he had some really, really good starts. Really good. Like, there were, like, times where he's, like, pitching late into the sixth inning. It's like, wait, why is he still pitching? I and know. He's like, why we were supposed to pull him so- two, two innings ago. Why, was he, why is he so much better than so many other people? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I mean, he would have his bus and stuff. But, like, he he deserves a spot at this rotation. If our rotation wasn't where it was in young yeah. and deepish you know what well, i mean and, and, and then, guys that we need to rely on his, his ship has sailed to become an mlb everyday starter he pitches with a lot of confidence though yeah he knows what he is and who he is and and, and there was a special that i saw him where he said as soon as i've stopped trying to throw as hard as i can every single time to get the radar gun and move up yeah. the ladder that's when he started pitching to his his potential but do you think that we should give him a chance or do you think we found his role no and found let his him role. be his role found his role man okay. yeah i don't i don't think we need to tra- change him to he's, try to go seven innings every time he's a specialty type he, of guy he's what what all tigers fans wanted buck farmer to be or and become yeah 100%. and he's way way better at it and then you get into Higher upside too. And then you get into Kyle Funkhauser. I you know, Kyle Funkhauser is this X Factor guy who is maybe like more like a buck farmer. But I what I love about this is we're getting him I think he was a first round draft pick in I couldn't tell you, honestly. 15 you want me to look that up or? he was he was the same year as uh the high school pitcher um that Matt was a Manning? bust. No, that was a bust. That we we Bo Burrow. Oh yeah. So he was the same. He was the next pick after Bo Burrows. So I I just pull for him because I think you know at the time I was pumped about about getting him. Uh, but either way, I, you find roles for these guys when you have draft picks that aren't going to be the the franchise changing guys. You find roles for them where they are effective, where they can be a part of this team. And long term, Kyle Funkhauser turned into a seventh and eighth inning guy a lot of times when those other guys needed some rest. So. Having a reliable person, a pitcher at sixth inning and fifth inning to come in in stressful situations, that's what Funkhauser was for us, and I think he has a role moving forward on this team. So Funkhauser was selected by the Dodgers with a 35th overall pick in 2015. He opted to sign with, or he opted not to sign with the Dodgers, went back to Louisville, um, and then he was drafted uh, by the Tigers in 2016. In the fourth round, so 115th fourth overall round. So he was 35th overall, and then a, and then fell to the fourth round. So but that's a steal right there. That was a steal because he was first he round was talent. First round talent, and they nobody else wanted to pay him the money at the time. So I don't know. I, I, I think fun, it's worth yeah worth getting excited about. Worth it, being comfortable about. I guess all of this is to say you can see why this team was battling to be a 500 team by the end of the year. And the difference, the the comment that we made in our season preview is previous years to this, we weren't even putting a major league team on the field. We had we had major gaps in our lineup and in our pitching staff that were not major league ready, but we had to because they were filling that hole. Yeah, that that was not the case with this team. We had major league talent on the team, and they were competing in a lot of games, and they won a lot of games this year. They only lost a handful of games more than they won. Yeah, so what what did they finish? I think it was 77, uh, 77 wins. Is that, is you that what I saw? Up? Uh, it's on the scroll here. 77 and 85 overall is what they finished at. And they were. And what was the over under set? I, I guess it doesn't matter. I think it was like 62. Oh, it was way down there, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, so again, going into next year, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to build on with this season. But then you get into the prospects. And we got to get into the That's prospects. Building. We can't have 
a season recap without getting into the prospects. It's a long one. Maybe we'll just not how, do our picks today. The, yeah, how are the podcasts <laughs> this long when it's just me and you? <laughs> I don't know, but it's so much fun. Theoretically, and I don't want to say. I don't say so much funny that they're not. I just mean like. It doesn't seem like it should be this long. No, it should go the other way, but it, it, doesn't it doesn't end up that way. Um, I want to start with Torkelson Green. Obviously, the, the two big names here. Um, their first, I guess it was Torkelson's first pro season. Uh, he started at West Michigan, worked his way up to Erie, and then he ended at Toledo. Uh, what do you think about that? 120, I mean, just the fact that he went up that quick is exciting. That tells me that they want him to be on the 2022 roster. They, they're giving him every chance possible to. And that's why they wanted him to finish at AAA. It's awesome. And he played 40 games at AAA. So it wasn't like a last five games or yeah. anything like that. Like yeah. it was impressive. Uh, so basically, what, what we're looking at here for over the course of the season and his uh, three teams 115 hits, uh, 29 doubles, 30 home runs, 91 RBI. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, 77 walks. 77 walks, 114 strikeouts. So that difference is not very much. So his batting average, 267. Nothing to to get too excited about. But this is his first full season, or first season as a professional player. Yeah. He's doing exactly what we wanted to see. 30 home runs for a first season in the pros is incredible, no matter what level you're at. I'm so excited about that. And he was hitting what three twelve at, at West Michigan. He hit two sixty three at Double A, two thirty eight at Triple uh, A. But the power didn't go away in Triple A. He he played yep. there forty games, forty games, and he had eight doubles, one triple, and eleven home runs. Eleven home runs. That's where it like really jumps. It's like that means you can once a series. That. that means yeah. once a series he was going deep. Basically, that's awesome. That's great to see. On base uh, was uh, three fifty. Which is decent. No, 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 that's just triple. Oh, sorry, that was just triple. Overall for the season, three eighty-three. Yeah. So two sixty-seven batting average, three eighty-three on base percentage. His slugging percentage is way up there, five fifty-two. His OPS, which is slugging or uh, slugging plus on base, right, mm-hmm. is nine thirty-five. That that is an elite level at the major league level. Uh, I know it's in the minors, but again, this dude's young. His first full season, like what you said. So many unknowns going into the season two for him. He started in high A and ends up in triple A. Like the change that he's gone through this season has been just, he handled it so well. I mean, he's 21 years old, so it's not like he's coming out of high school or anything like that. But like, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see. He's still young for a college guy, college grad and moving into the pros. And that's still fairly young. And what's cool is, you know, he started the year playing first base actually with West Michigan. And then when he got to double A and triple A, he was playing third base. And not only that, but he looked really good doing it at both positions. At third base specifically, he yeah. looked he looked athletic enough to to handle the position, and you know that's what he played in in college too. So it's not like he can't be a third baseman of the future. I don't think he's much worse. I think he'd be very comparable to to Candelario, if not a little bit better. So the the other name that we got to talk to talk about is Riley Green. The way he's completely skyrocketed, and I think it's a little unfair to Torkelson because everybody looks at. Um, Riley Green as the younger guy at, that skyrocketed. Well, he, he he's 20 compared to Torkelson's 21. So it's not like that. there's that big of an age difference. Um, but what he's done skyrocketing through this, this thing is absolutely insane as well. So he actually started at Erie, worked his way up to Toledo as well. They played together 40 total games. They, they called both of them up together along with uh, Dingler and, and uh, the shortstop. I can't think of the shortstop's name. Creedler? Yes, Creedler. Ryan yes. Creedler? Yep. Um, but anyways, 
Uh, total of 124 games played for for Riley Green, right? Am I reading that right, or is that for Riley Green? 140 so, so, games played. So it's actually at the top. 124 games. Yeah, sorry, 124. Um, I mean, 148, 146 hits, 25 doubles, eight triples, 24 home runs, 84 RBI, 16 stolen bases. Three only caught steal stolen once. Like this guy is, and defensively, he would come onto this team and be. Let's say Derek Hill is probably better defensively, but I would say <laughs> Riley Green is right there to be one so, B. Riley Green is not the biggest blazer that you've ever seen. He's not like uh, Billy Hamilton out there in center yeah. field or anything like that. But he gets. He is such a baseball guy like he just gets the best jumps in the outfield so reads he makes, ball well oh my gosh he makes amazing he doesn't sell out and miss the ball when he sells out he, he catches it and he has so many uh sports center highlights already to, in, in the <laughs> minor insane. leagues it's like insane. i haven't seen that many minor league sports center highlights ever, ever. <laughs> he's constantly making diving catches um and then you see like his stats would you just write off 25 doubles 24 home runs eight triples eight triples like think think about the extra base power that this guy has. Yeah. And when I say he's not a burner, eight triples, twenty four doubles, twenty five <laughs> doubles. He can run. Like this, I'm not saying he can't run. He can run. He's a freaking athlete. But yeah. but what I'm I guess what I'm getting across is like he is not only just an athlete, not only a good hitter, but he's a baseball player. Like yeah. He is, I mean, he's a so, grinder. So man. he hit three hundred one. On base uh, percentage was three eighty seven. Slugging percentage five thirty four. On base plus slugging is nine twenty one. For his first full career in the in uh, professional baseball, it's awesome. It's it's right there with with what we just read off with, with Torkelson. It's like the the numbers match up so well. A little higher average, a tiny bit less, less home runs. Oh yeah, home runs. Power power is pretty is equivalent with the triples. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean it's it, it's difference maker type of stuff, and I get so excited thinking. And then and then you think about where they're going to be filling gaps too. Torkelson's going to be in the infield. It's going to be at a power a spot, spot there. corner first or third first. We've talked about the issues that they potentially have there, uh, the gaps I guess with, with scope at first and you know uh, just the unknowns. You know, it's yeah. it's not like anybody's won those spots guaranteed. And then you go into the outfield and that depth that we've built. I'm proud of the depth that we have out there, even with like a Victor Cruz. Yeah, like I'm sorry, Victor Reyes. Victor Reyes. I'm thinking of the the Giants I can't wide receiver Victor. dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> used to oh, salsa no. on the oh field. yeah, the salsa. <laughs> I liked him actually. <laughs> no, Victor Reyes. Yeah, thank you for the correction. You know, he's a good baseball player. He's he's a good guy to have on the bench. He's not going to be a difference maker for your franchise. Riley Green is a difference maker. is a difference maker. So when now when Riley Green potentially has the chance next year to get some playing time in the bigs, and I hope a lot of playing time. Now you're filling gaps. Only two more gaps. In there with Badu and Robbie Grossman, and then and then think of all the other guys that we saw with time this year with Derek Hill, um, you know Victor Reyes and and some of the other even even like the um, oh man I'm gonna have to um, uh, a Tigers starter or like was he on the Tigers this year Yeah yeah shortstop Willie, Willie yeah Castro? Willie Castro he was even playing in the outfield by the end like we've got guys that can fill those gaps in the outfield but those are three names that I feel like you can build something with. Yeah. So now our outfield feels a lot better. And we're not even talking about Daz Cameron either, but our outfield feels a lot better. Yeah. And now and now our infield just filled a spot that we don't even have with that big pop in the middle of the order. 
do you think that we're getting deep enough that we can trade prospects? And I don't want to say Riley Green or, or Torkelson, but the Christian Stewart, which you probably won't get a lot for Christian Stewart or Daz Cameron or anything like that. But time comes that we're at the trade deadline. We can package those type of guys together with a bigger name and and get something. And I'm probably way overstepping. We don't even need to get into that. So we're already short on time. That <laughs> I don't want to get off off I think, track anymore. I yeah, think we're, I think we're in the position to start actually trading a Matthew Boyd. To actually think about trading, um, let's just say Candelario or Jonathan Turnbull. Scope. Turnbull. If he was healthy, I mean, I mean, no, you no, you're right. I, yeah. I think I think though that's where we're at right now because we have these guys to come in and fill a gap and to do it better than some of these. I don't like, know. I on, think, like, I, look, all right, honestly, would I rather see what Isak Paredes can do in Detroit? Yeah. But if these guys are going to start filling in the infield and we can get something, if Isak Paredes, where is he at in, in our, our – our, uh, so he's actually not even on the, the list for, for current prospects. No, but like, he's played in the big He no. still is a, a somewhat of a prospect. We could get something for something like that. He was in the top 100 last year before the draft. So oh, it's yeah. not like he's a slouch. No, he's and not. And he's known. So it's like, would we rather move on from Candelario and you know, Esau Parade as that, that chance at third? Let's just hypothetically here. Yeah, but what are we going to get in a valuable trade? We would get more for Esau Parade than a Candelario. Unless, for I guess, it depends on... There's a lot of... A lot I, of factors. I, yeah, a lot of factors. No, but, but I think it's worth you know bringing what I'm up. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's a fun position to be in. It is the Tigers, and and there's it's a, a it's a log jam. It's becoming a log jam, which is exactly what we wanted. And yeah. then Dylan Dingler's on his way up. After we got Ryan Creeler, like you said, who's actually a really good hitter at shortstop, but he could fill a gap at second, third, you know, even left field. Like he can he can do all kinds of stuff. So I think um I, I think at this point, this is where you look at if you buy a shortstop. If you buy a big name, let's just let's just throw out Carlos Correa. Let's just do it because he f- he kind of fits the bill with um, with uh, AJ the AJ Hinch, Hinch yeah, connection. The There's connection a lot there. of rumors already about this thing. Yeah, so let's just say that they pay the money and get him in. That fills that. I mean, he's a really good shortstop. So so that's solidifying that position. Let's just say call that taken care of. He's going to hit 25 to 30 bombs. He's going to hit 270, and it's not going to be the world-beating shortstop that we all hope he is. But let's just say he's extremely solid and better than we've had in a really long time at short. Now, now, these, now these positions that we're filling, if, if uh, Torkelson works out and he comes up in the bigs and plays next year, and then you have Riley Green in, in the outfield playing a big role in this, and Miggy's still hitting in scope, and Candy share first base, and then you're just, and then you have Isak Paredes playing second, maybe with a Ryan Creedler or, or a Willie Castro, and Harold Castro's out there too, who's a good hitter, 285 with a decent amount of pop. We're not talking about the same old Tigers that are just going to guarantee lose games. These guys will start competing. You're going to look more and more like the Mariners of this year, where they just win 90 games and miss out on the playoffs. I think I think now you're talking about an 85 plus win team that can really make a difference and push for a playoff berth and and maybe even I don't know compete there. So, what does your gut tell you? Do these guys? Let's just stick to Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. Are they on this roster? 2021, 2022 opening day. No, you think they're gonna pull, play that game? Yes. Okay. Are you okay with that? I love it. Okay. I would not want them to be on the opening day roster. If if they are, I I would, <laughs> you be would love it. I would be pumped. <laughs> yeah. But 
let's keep these guys. You know, now is the time to build. We're we're building. We feel good about our team. Uh, the franchise. I I told you the Tigers were the closest one out of all of them. They're they're gonna they're ready to compete. Man, they're they're getting ready. They're almost there. Now it's just about experience. It's about getting the last of the big time hitters up, and now we can start spending money. and And they told us they're spending ready to money. spend money. Yeah, they did. They did tell us a couple more names that their ETA is twenty twenty two. Joey Wentz, Alex Fajardo. I want to cross Alex Fajardo off this list. He's our fifteenth prospect. Is it is that ship sailed? No, not at all. You don't think so? No, he's like twenty five years old. Yeah, but he he would have been in the bigs this year if he didn't get hurt. I mean, he's just dealing with injuries. I let's let him let's let him come back from injuries and see see how he see looks. See if we can strike gold here. Yeah, Joey Wentz. So he he uh, only had uh, two starts uh, this year with Erie coming off the Tommy John. Yeah, uh, he was Second part one, of. I, think. Uh, I remember what I remember what trade it was that we got him. Uh, Shane Green was the Shane Green trade with the, so, with the yeah. Braves. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, so his numbers weren't weren't. I mean, two obviously only two starts, but. Twenty five point two innings pitched in those two starts. Um, he must have came off the bench. Yeah, there's some other games. He, in there. he was in five total games. Um, oh, sorry, no, he had five starts. My apologies. Um, but I mean, twenty hits, six runs, uh, thirty seven strikeouts. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty good number there. I mean, nothing to like get too excited about. But do you think he could have a chance, or is it just just let him stay down? Obviously, time will tell. He'll start. He'll start. He'll start in the minors. Um, he's com- but com- keep coming an eye back. On him. Keep an eye on him because he's got stuff, man. He's good. He also could be the type of guy that is expendable because we just simply don't have room. He absolutely or could be. He could make Matt Manning expendable. He could. You know, like <laughs> it's a good spot to be. It's in. It's a great spot to be in, and I hope that he's can has a good good off season and can come into the uh, spring and and make some make some uh, noise. If We're you getting will. close to paying money for personalities too. And so the way this clubhouse will come together in the end, personality-wise, the the identity that they took on this season needs to continue moving forward. And I think they're going to have a lot of, like these young people in the clubhouse, these young players, I love the way that they act in the clubhouse. And I think the the mixture of Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, they're only going to, they're only going to help that. They're going to rise with those other guys. Um, they're they're professionals already. Like they expect to be in the bigs next year. And um, you bring in a couple of other veteran presence type of guys in in the clubhouse. And man, I think the sky's the limit with some of these prospects. Cue it. Drinking craft beer, having fun. And talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. I would say we're cruising right along, but not really. It mics off. It's all right. Let's give yeah, this. Let's quick. Quick. Tell us what we're drinking, and then we'll give it a quick grade. We got to move. Move pretty quick here. Was which one is this? I don't know. This is the Imperial <laughs> Raspberry Vanilla Porter. Very very easy to drink porter. I'm, I think porters are my least favorite beer. Like I would put porters below stouts, but this is excellent. So solid. This is really good. Look, I skipped um, the stout. I skipped the stout, and I like that. But the but the porter is like money. So it's an imperial porter with raspberries and vanilla, bean, uh, the RVP you know and love, only bigger, eleven percent alcohol by volume. Eleven percent. 
Didn't know that. So easy to drink. <laughs> so easy to drink. All of these are very easy to drink. Yeah. I It doesn't surprise me. Austin Brothers is right, so solid. For the record, I loved their their last variety pack. This one is excellent. Like way better. You know what people should do is buy the last one and this one combo. <laughs> and then you get your like five, six, seven percenters mixed with your ten and eleven percenters. Mind blown. It's a great idea. I think this is a very, very good porter. It's so good. I I'm, don't know if, if porter fans would, would like it. You know what I mean? Like because I'm not a big porter guy. <laughs> Juicy so IPA mean, fans will. Does that mean like porters, <laughs> porter fans would probably be like, yeah, no, it's not that I don't big. know. I, I have think, no idea. I think it's great though. I think so smooth. This is a solid 8.0. I, again, maybe I'm drunk. Maybe that's their goal of this is just give Absolutely. us more alcohol so we grade higher. I don't know. I'm going 8.4. I think this is the smoothest, um, best balanced, most balanced beer out of all of them. And for an 11%er, are you kidding me? This is not 11%. I don't know. I don't know how they did this. <laughs> no. But it does not taste like it at all. And I'm a big fan of this. Um, yeah, eight point four. Awesome. We're doing it. We just gotta do it. We, th- <laughs> we just gotta finish this thing. Nobody's I nobody know. that that will listen for an hour and fifty minutes is gonna just turn it off if it's <laughs> like two like, ten. That is a great point. That is so a we're great we're, point. we're fine. Yeah, we're not losing listeners. This because is hilarious. Of this. We lost viewers because we're well. That happens. I mean, I think the football game probably is done and. <laughs> We're longer than the football game. Oh, my gosh. No, we're actually not. I don't know what that's going on. But anyways, that means our we're doing our picks. Last week, Mike went 4-3, and three, 18 and 15 overall. Kyle, 2-5, and five, 16 and 17. Ryan, 3-4, and four, 17 and 16. Sam, 3-4, and four, 12 and 21. John, 4-3, and three, 15 and 18. Micah is winning right now. Micah is leading by one over you, two over Kyle. Um, we're starting Thursday like we always do. Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are a home dog. John and Micah are both taking the Rams. Kyle did not get his picks in in time. We'll, we'll just give it to him at some point. He'll, he'll get them in. I promise he will. Ryan, you have a better record than me. See, you're going first. This is this is a tough one. Seahawks are overperforming a little bit. I'm going to go with the Seahawks at home. Rams are going to struggle a little bit here. See, I, I think this needs to be a bounce back for Stafford. I think it needs to be a bounce back for the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win. I do. I think the Seahawks are bad. They overperformed this week, but they underperformed the week before. They're a Jekyll and Hyde type team. I think we got Hyde this week. I don't know. Which one's the bad one? Hyde. Hyde's, Hyde's bad the bad one. one? Yeah. Jekyll's kind of fun. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving to the Bills like at the Chiefs. Chiefs are minus three. John and Micah both have the Chiefs. Ryan, what about you? I'm going to go Bills here. I think the wrong team's favored. Yeah, I do too. I don't think that is fair to the Bills, and I don't think that's fair to the Chiefs. The Chiefs have looked very bad. At times, Defense. they've looked vulnerable against not great teams. The Bills are going to pick this team apart. Chiefs are and still relying on their just being better than look, everybody, and the Bills are good. I agree. I don't think you could rely on that. I agree. I'm taking the Bills. Uh, Lions are at the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are an eight-point favorite at home. John's taking the Vikings. Lions or Mike is taking the Lions. <laughs> I honestly don't know where I'm going with this one. I think I'm going to do the opposite of you. So I'm, no, gonna, I'm just kidding. I know where I'm, I'm going to do the Vikings because, man, I don't know. They only scored seven points on the first drive of the game against the Browns. So it's not like the offense is clicking, but Dalva Cook's supposed to be back um, or, or healthy, I guess. And, and I don't know. Cousins always tears up the lines. I'm going to go Vikings here. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Vikings as well. I, 
I just don't like what I saw from the Lions. Uh, I think the Vikings, even in, in their losses, they've they've been close yeah. against some good teams. Yeah. So uh, I think they're better than what we give them credit for. And I just I think it's a bad matchup. I really do. Uh, as much as people like, what, what's the quarterback's name? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. As much as people hate him, he is the worst matchup for the Lions. Yeah. Like he, he tears will them tear apart. them apart every single time. Um, I didn't restart the music on purpose because we're moving to college. Cue up the music. Thank you. So we're moving to college. We got a couple big games here. Oklahoma are against Texas. Can you bump the music down just a touch? I don't know if that's a little too loud for listeners, but it is for me. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Oklahoma, number six, uh, against 21 Texas. Texas is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Both Kyle and Micah no, 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 no. are – They're three-and-a-half-point dogs. Sorry, three-and-a-half-point dogs. Thank you. Both Kyle and Micah – oh, my gosh. Both John and Micah are taking Oklahoma. I'm going to go first. I'm taking Texas. I think Oklahoma is surviving right now. Texas has actually played pretty well. I'm taking Texas to cover the three and a half. And honestly, I I wouldn't be shocked if they won. I just did that because I've copied you every time, and I don't want you to think I'm going to continue to copy you. (laughs) Now Uh, this is your chance to copy me. I I want to so bad. I just don't believe in Texas enough. I'm going to go Oklahoma. Yeah, they're surviving, but I think they'll continue surviving through this game. I don't think Oklahoma's that good. I don't, I agree. Offense is struggling so much right now, which just doesn't make any sense at all. But they could also figure it out in a game like this, and I don't think they're going to just lay an egg. Yeah, big, 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 big 10 matchup here. Number four, Penn State. At number three, Iowa. Iowa, two and a half point favorite. For people that don't know sports, gambling. Three points is usually the home spread. The fact that they're not a full three points tells me that Vegas thinks Penn State's better. But here we are at Iowa. I don't know what time the game's at. I, didn't, I didn't, should have looked at that. It's probably night game. I, I, I it hope. should be. It's, it, might, it might be 3 3. I'm going to look that up. Um, but real Later. quick, John and Micah both took Iowa here. I think they saw the same thing I saw. Seven turnovers against Maryland, what Iowa just did. They just blew them out. A really good Maryland offensive team. I don't think Penn State has a good enough offense to take care of business. I think Iowa has a lot of playmakers and a lot of difference makers in college football this year that people were not expecting. I'm going to Iowa. This is one of the easiest picks. Really? Yeah. I just don't believe in Penn State at all. I don't either. I don't. All right, so I did look it up. It's a 4 o'clock start, so it's not a night game. Oh, okay. That is what changes me. I Look, I am one of the biggest James Franklin haters and Penn State haters in this world. I am. But. But. Go for it. Ah, You said you took? I took Iowa. Iowa. Easy. I want Iowa, so I'm going to say Penn State, so I'm happy. Perfect. Best of <laughs> both worlds. Best of both worlds. Is that a quote from a movie? Rookie of the year. Hot ice. Oh, yeah. He got the ice cubes. <laughs> Basketball worlds. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I just wrote Iowa for you at the Michigan State Rutgers. Moving down to our Sparty Party Pick of the Week. We got Michigan State, number 11, at Rutgers, plus five and a half. We talked a little bit about this game earlier. We're not concerned, but we're a little concerned. John took Rutgers. Micah took Michigan State. Ryan, I have a feeling you're going to lean towards Michigan State, but I'm curious to why. Didn't I tell you earlier? Yeah, you did. They're just... Just they, rewind to 
two and a half hours ago. Yeah, they're just <laughs> better than. Uh, they're so similar to Ohio State that just tore them apart, and I think they're gonna. They just laid the groundwork, and they're gonna beat them through the air and then through the ground, and it's gonna not be as close as people think. Five, State. five and a half is a lot. For, for a road team in a Big Ten. For a spread, this, but not in real life. Not in real life, exactly. I think a seven-point game looks very close, and they're still covering that spread. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be more of like a 10-point victory, 10-13. Um, but I think it could feel more like a blowout. And I think it might be It just 24. could be a slow point, slow, slow type game. Um, we're moving now to our Michigan pick. What do we got here? What's our Michigan pick again? Michigan at Nebraska. Nebraska is plus three. John and Mike are both taking Michigan. Minus three is where we're at here. Right? Yeah. I'm taking Michigan. I I'm not gonna start betting against them at this point. And three is giving credit to Nebraska where ne- where credit is due. Yeah. Um but this to me, this three is do you think Michigan will win this game? And yes, I do think they're gonna win the game. I don't think it's gonna Take late game heroics. At least I hope not. But like it, I, yeah. I believe in the Wolverines right now. I believe in in the Spartans. I believe in the Wolverines. I really do. I think these teams are built to win these kind of games. I think. In the, I know it's very cliche. Whoever takes care of the football is going to win this game. Yep. Michigan's defense is so fierce. With this type of quarterback, you will catch him trying to do something, and you're smoking him when he's trying to do it. That's going to create turnovers. You're going to force this guy to throw a ball. Daxon Hill type players going to make a play. You have playmakers where they don't. You're going to get the turnovers. They will not. I think Michigan's going to win this game, and we're going to get into our our final beer. But I'm going. I'm going Michigan as well. I'm going to cut the music. We'll just get. I'm going to just hit the beer grade. Is that cool? I'm going to yeah. hit beer grade. It is time to grade our Michigan beers for this episode, but before we do, I want to once again remind everyone of our partner, Siciliano's Market. They're simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State University's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Whether you know what you want or you need some help from their expert staff, Siciliano's Market is the best place for that. They not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beers from across our great nation, they're individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. Along with their great selection of craft beer. They have specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. They also have the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. We love that Siciliano's Market is part of the state of my sports family (laughs) and is who we visit to help us choose our Michigan beers for each and every episode. So please check them out and let them know that we sent you. And now I turned the mic off. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. Oh, that'll make next year's like highlight Real quick, I forgot to give a shout out to Big Lake Brewing, who, who's the sponsor for our, our Michigan uh, and Michigan State picks of the week. We got the Sparty Party. We got the Haze and Blue. They got that competition going out for someone that's going to get um, on the can. Go out there, find their website, vote on it, and, and uh, make sure you give a sh- quick shout out and let them know that you heard all that on, on our podcast. Great and, beers, great people. Yeah, I mean, w- I, I, I sipped on both of those this weekend. Unbelievable. They're, they're the best. Great, and I cannot wait for the Michigan-Michigan State matchup. I'm going to drink a lot of both. I will not. I'm going to mix them. Gotta, yeah. What if I did? They're both super good. What if you mixed them? Well, is that legal? Is that like the best of both worlds? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to do that on Saturday <laughs> just to make sure both win. Yeah, perfect. Um, anyways, I just wanted to quick quick mention that. But, yeah, our beer grades. So for the people that uh, missed the intros, we're, we're drinking from Awesome Brothers Beer Company, the Ostentatious Variety Pack. We've gone through a lot of heavy beers. <laughs> you could tell by the way I'm trying to talk here. Um, we had a sorbet. 
Nice word choice. We had a Big Merc, which is a triple IPA, right? Yeah. Uh, we had a stout. What was the name of the, the stout? The there? sorbet was also triple, by the way. It was a triple sorbet. Yeah. Um, what was the the triple stout's name? The uh, Peruvian Sumo Imperial Stout. Okay. Then you had the Imperial Raspberry Vanilla Porter. That was good. So I good. I think I underrated that you one. You did. It was so good. Um, and now what are we drinking? Now we're drinking Slamnasia, the triple IPA, wow. 11.4%, 125 IBUs. 125. 125 IBUs? Let me say that again. 125. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. This is going to be bitter. And this is a, light, I haven't taken a sip lightly yet, have filtered, so it's very not filtered. <laughs> <laughs> West Coast Triple IPA <laughs> with tons of mosaic hops. Slamnasia is dangerously drinkable for a beer of its size. So, I mean. Cheers to this. Let's take a sip yeah, at the same cheers. time here. Again, great radio. Just like, hey, let's just have a silence. Let's have a silence. Let's time. listen to these guys drink their beer. <laughs> that is actually. Slammable. Way easier to drink than it should be. Right? That what is, is the percentage of that? 11.4. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what the Austin Brothers that... does, but insane how drinkable all of their these 10 and 11. It is point... so clean. Yeah. Like, great. F- for, for, for a triple IPA, like, I expected thick. You know what I mean? Like, because most triples, like, are, are New England, and you get that haze, you get that thickness, you get that, you know, you're almost chewing on it. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but this is clean and clear for a triple i have never seen anything like this and it is way too easy to drink like (laughs) this is Uh, this might be one of my favorite ipas yeah seriously honestly because yeah it's a triple ipa but it's not a triple ipa this is this is everything that i love about doubles because it has the flavor that i that i want Mm -hmm. out of it without being too heavy wow but as an 11 percenter, the second this drink light, was even better. They're doing good stuff over there, up up into the right over there. Yeah, <laughs> to the right, not <laughs> to the not, right, not the pinky. Right, exactly, just above the thumb. <laughs> um, I do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You want to do it on three? Yeah, let's do it on three. All right, one, three, two. Oh wait, no! <laughs> All right, ready? All right, ready? One, one two, two, three, eight, eight nine. Three. I you love this beer. Wow. The, I love this. You know what this beer reminds me of? State of my PA? It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I can, I can see that. It really, truly it's does. It's really similar. You said 8.3, right? Yeah, 8.3. Wow. Such a good beer. I am really excited about that one. That That is a really, really good beer. And I know I'm, I'm probably going crazy off of it. But, man, that was an interesting episode. That was a fun episode. Great it was spread. long. But we're, we're going to try to break this up. So for the people that are... We're gonna break it up and and put it on the. Um, <laughs> we're gonna break it up a, into forty five minute segments. So <laughs> for, look out for, for all six segments for YouTube. <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna do my best. It uh, sounds like a lot of you work. Know what? But it was a great time though. Like it this, was. this is a good episode. Yeah, we ha- we talked for a long time, but there was a lot. There was to a talk lot about. to talk about. We covered all of our football teams. We covered the season recap of the Detroit Tigers. We we kind of felt like it was. They they earned it. They earned look, the time. We wanted to look at from the beginning to the end and all the strides that they made. And we you know, easily could have skipped over it, and nobody would have cared. Yeah. But I really think this is important to go come back to and people to hear because this team is we're, we're rebuild city, right? That's what we're at. I think they jumped the Pistons, and I don't mean that in a slight to the Pistons. 
I think what the Tigers did, and I think AJ Hinch is the key to this to this jump, this jump start, and this this thing this team is ready. And luckily in in the MLB, and here we go again, like just la- dragging on. Luckily in the NBA or MLB, <laughs> you don't have a salary cap. You can go out and spend money when you decide to go spend yes, money. Yes, go and spend you're it. You're not tied to anything. Yep. And that's what's exciting about this because they are spending money away from being contenders. They're spending money away from this really coming together, and you have a good team for the next five, seven years. Best thing about Al Elliott is that he doesn't do much. He lets his all of the guys well, that work for him do all kinds of work. We didn't need to get into the that or anything. Just but. saying, he doesn't have to do a lot. Anyways, that was episode 125. Thank you, Ryan, for recording. That was, that was fun, really man. fun. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for the comments. Um, fun episode. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. If not from sooner. The hops, if not sooner. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions, to the Tigers, to the Pistons, to Michigan and Michigan State, and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.